Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Geek Vibes How are you guys doing out there? This is your friend and pal, Dan Elms. And I have another enticing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance for you guys today. Um, you know, we're going to be covering an array of news and topics, go over double or nothing. And uh, I can't do this by myself. I am joined, like always, by my co-host, the co-hostess with the mostest, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. I think I finally said that correctly. I'll try to do that. So, fuck. <laughs> I think you nailed it, buddy. Uh, how's your week been, man? Mine was pretty awesome. It was great because the motivation of having a three-day weekend just, you know, that's in your mind and you're like, I can do this. I can make five days. And then next week, I only got to work four days. This is going to be great. So that, it was it was wrestling. And there was wrestling, lots of it. There's just there was so much wrestling this week and so much good shit to talk about and uh, and like you said the yeah the motivation of knowing that you're gonna be off Monday goes a long way the the Bon Jovi weekend man that three day weekend that Bon Jovi weekend well oh whoa we're halfway there you know I think we should be living on a prayer so that didn't really work but you know whatever thank God I don't do segues for the show. Like I had to for uh, Geek Vibes Live back in the day for some of our sponsors because that was uh, hard to do, and I'm terrible at it, apparently. Anyways, let's get into this show. Um, I want to start by <laughs> going over going over the documentary, Chris. Uh, the two documentaries, actually, on The Ultimate Warrior. A&E had theirs at a later date, decided, I have no idea why, to bump theirs up. Uh, the week before Dark Side of the Ring had their episode, uh, you would think that there would be, I don't know, a, a, a different reflection from the documentaries, but A&E was very uh, honest for the most part. Definitely some glaring things missing. Uh, but I think those same things could be said about the Dark Side of the Ring. I think the Dark Side of the Ring one was respectful. Um, it did make me you know, go back to my childhood, and even though I was more the Hulkster fan and mad that Warrior got the title being, you know, somewhat of a little warrior. The, the the attraction with face paint, you know, I would not realize that, and it's kind of crazy the way that, you know, it's going to be hard to talk about the Ultimate Warrior without talking about Sting. They started off as partners, they were young, you know, just wanted to be bodybuilders, and obviously Warrior had issues of, like, you know, wanting to get better at the business inner workings, including the actual wrestling where Sting wanted to be a student of the game, even though they both pursued it differently, starting off with bodybuilding as what they were trying to go for their career when they met in California. And I realized this, I don't know, I, I was just thinking about it and I looked up the dates, is that Warrior One at WrestleMania got the title, was going to be the new big head of the company going forward from Hulk Hogan. And honestly, that and his one of his matches with Rick Rude, the other one was pretty bad, but 
Uh, he had a good match at Rick Rude, and I say, and I think two great matches with Macho Man Randy Savage, Ultimate Warrior. But the Hulk Hogan one's, I think, the most iconic, and it was very well put together by the Hulkster. And uh, he got put over, and three months later in July, at uh, I believe it was Bash the Beach, if I'm not mistaking, maybe uh, maybe one of the other WCW pay-per-views. Ric Flair did the same thing with Sting, and making him the new. Uh, so they 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 always kind of parallel. Uh, obviously, like people that are troubled within the wrestling industry, whether it be a Macho Man Randy Savage or, as we saw with Shawn Michaels, unlike Sting, I feel like Warrior had some demons and some personal trauma that stemmed back from when he was a child of his father abandoning him, uh, him being very small and getting picked on, and then putting all, all this muscle and really wanting to connect and I think in a very positive manner, even though it very it got very different towards the uh, the latter half of his life, really wanted to be like a symbol and even use anything he could, whether it be bodybuilding or wrestling or whatever, to you know be inspiring to people. And the way that he connected with kids, you know, the superhero concept with wrestlers like Hulkster, like Rey Mysterio Jr., like Tiger Mask. Um, the luchadors in general, you know, that type of concept he had with that Ultimate Warrior ego. And yes, his his uh, promos were all over the place sometimes. Um, I think some would say that one of his best ones was unfortunately the last one that he did uh, on Raw um, after going in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he was a troubled man, but uh, I really liked both uh documentaries and i understand why dana warrior would be worried about the direction of the dark side of the moon one but i think that they were very fair and uh, i thought both documentaries were actually excellent and uh not a burial like um oh man i forgot the one that wwe made years ago but uh what did you think about the documentary just overall or either of them i should say I thought they were both great. It's just weird that both companies decided to show them at the same time because there wasn't anything – there wasn't that hard of a difference between the two, really. Uh, but the, the documentary you're talking about was the uh, was it the the rise and fall of the Ultimate Warrior or something like that, right? And, and that one is very much just a bunch of people shitting on the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> like, it, it has, like – a 10 minute piece where they're just doing ultimate warrior promos and making fun of them. Uh, this didn't come off like that. Like I think, I think this is a pretty good honest portrayal uh, with Dana. It was a little weird for me because uh, headed into the vice documentary, she had called it like smut and filth and she's selling a t-shirt now on pro wrestling tees about smut and filth uh, without watching the documentary. Cause like I said, I, I don't, like out of the A and E and, and Vice documentaries we watched, I don't, I don't think this one was that bad at all, honestly. No, and uh, I'm sure that they fucking tried to get her involved in it. Maybe she didn't do it because the A and E one. I understand she's the wife of the Ultimate Warrior. I mean, they don't shy away from the fact that he was trying to do like a satirical, I guess, in a way, Rush Limbaugh styled kind of radio show that ended up him blowing off steam about wrestling and also giving extremely right-wing styled uh, views, which right or part of the left, as long as you're not an asshole to me, I, I don't care. But 
it got to the point where he started doing those college tours and we found out a lot of the information in both documentaries. I would say the A&E one actually went into it more, um, really showed a lot of that stuff. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's weird because both of them, you, you feel bad for the man and, and it's almost symbolic how his career in wrestling just wrapped within him even if he wasn't trying to become a student of the game you know he was still it's it's a part of him and i mean even by his death and and making that 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 promo and 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 commenting on your last breath blah 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 blah, whatever uh jr is uh you know quoting at the end of it but i thought they were both very honest the only thing that sucks like i was saying is i think there should have been more stuff said about uh what he said about bobby heenan uh, later on about Bobby getting cancer, and I'm sure Jim Cornette filmed that. But uh, I even thought that JC was very tame, man. He could have been way worse. And even at the end, he kind of, you know, it's it just weird because there's not a lot of wrestlers outside of Jake the Snake Roberts. I think Jake the Snake stole the show in the uh, in the Dark Side of the Ring one. Did you believe him? Like, Because I've never heard that, and who knows. But after SummerSlam, where Warrior ditched it and fucked over Vince and Vince told him he was fired immediately after the match that they were going to have a title run and Jake was going to go over. Cause I've never heard that story. I've never heard that story either. And I, I was actually going to ask you the same question because the, what I've always heard about warrior is he wins at SummerSlam. He demands more money for that, for being on that pay-per-view. And stuff just doesn't work out, and he kind of leaves. Um, and also, they didn't really get into when he tries to come back to WWF. Um, the the weird thing where he wanted to sell his comic book, so he was trying to get Vince to like pay for his comic book, and then well, he missed some house shows. A and E didn't go over that stuff, but Dark Dark Side did. They really kind of talked about his comics and. Dextrucity and JR said it was one of the most biggest waste of time getting with them because Vince had, you know, he was convinced it would be fine and that 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 Warrior would show up and be a great addition. And as soon as he starts saying his own words, basically like Dextrucity and talking about the comics and wanting to be this motivational person, like a buff superhero Tony Robbins or some shit. I think JR was like, I was Sasha Frash. Like, what the fuck am I here for? You know? Yeah. Did, and I don't remember this in either documentary. Did they really go into him at all going to WCW after all of the rest of what we're talking about nope. happened? Yeah. So both of nope. them missed on that. They did not want to talk about that Hogan Warrior match, I guess. It's because it was terrible. I know there, were, there was uh, definitely some other stuff that they could could have gone into but i don't know kind of wrapping it up i like the documentaries um i wish there was a resolution or him at least them showing some efforts on him and maybe there is of reflecting on certain things that he said in the past uh and i like seeing him making amends with a lot of the the wrestlers still think jake was taking us on a story a little bit uh with him waiting with the royal quarters but who knows you know, it's Jake Roberts and shit. Um, but, you know, the footage of him and Hulk Hogan making up, all that stuff was nice. Like I said, I really don't know how I feel about him because we didn't get any type of reflection from his wife 
who try to like paint it as, well, you know, he was listening to Rush Limbaugh. Like for some of those awesome college campus uh, visits that went really well. And um, but it's it's still like the look of him, the, the concept of him. It was intriguing. It was the music, everything about it. He was a fucking superhero. There's a reason, you know, Chris, why I was willing much younger to give Renegade a chance and, uh, you know, told people that, no, 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 that's the Ultimate Warrior. That's that's him. Uh, I believed it when I, when I was younger because I wanted to believe it. And, uh, um, you know, or really liked Mike Awesome as the gladiator uh, in, in CZW when I started uh, getting those tapes. Not CZW, um, FMW. When I started getting those tapes, because he had that Ultimate Warrior-like thing and fucking, you know, seeing Joe Kofi as the Iron Man gimmick before he was in NXT UK, um, going against Kurt Angle uh, and seeing his interpretation of, like, this Viking Ultimate Warrior concept that he came up with or trying to think of, like, uh, right now, Odinson, who I've been high on for a very long time in an awesome tag team on NWA, has been over in Japan stuff called The End. Uh, you know, he they could be a little bit of LOD, but I, I look at that dude and I'm like, he could be like an ultimate war, like a new age version. It's 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 a very intriguing character. I always liked his promos. I hated that he built beat Hulk Hogan. I think I was I think I'm a couple years older than you. So that that difference, you know, in, in uh, the outcome of their match uh, might be different. But he was uh, a presence and uh, just kind of a sad but almost Shakespearean ending for his career of getting inducted, having his last promo, probably one of his best, um, very inspirational, and then unfortunately dying. Um, And I hope that his daughter, the one that's the kickboxer that looked fucking awesome, gets into MMA and calls herself the Ultimate Warrior. I think that would be really cool. (laughs) I was like, damn, she's good. Um, I don't know. But uh, last thoughts about it. Yeah, I appreciated both documentaries and and what they were going for. And we've talked about this previously, but I think one of the best things that they do is kind of of going into the family aspect. And and some of the stuff that Dana said was a little heartbreaking, specifically around when he died, like his heart attack, Um, like right after uh, that promo on Raw. Uh, and how she could like barely lift him and stuff. That was like very heartbreaking. There's definitely stuff to check out in this documentary, even if you're not a warrior fan. And uh, I, much like you, I think me and you've talked about this multiple times, maybe off air. Warrior was like a huge deal as a kid <laughs> for me, at least. I, I think I liked Warrior more than Hogan. Like I had the Warrior Wrestling Buddy, for instance. Like um, as much as I didn't like him later on in life. There, there is still something about the nostalgia of how fucking big Ultimate Warrior was, like larger than life. And you know, I was talking about more modern guys like Odinson, and Joe Kofi, uh, with his Iron Man gimmick. But there, I think, to an extent, uh, certain things after Ultimate Warrior, maybe not necessarily like a superhero, but like certain things about Goldberg, uh, Brock Lesnar. Uh, Batista kind of made you think, I would say, maybe even Ryback without getting the champion and becoming one of the biggest guys in the business at the time. 
uh, had similar, I guess, aspects career-wise to Ultimate Warrior, probably in the negative way, but what are you going to do? But, like, that monstrous guy that that has all this intensity, um, I think, is a reflection of a, of a style of, of, not gimmick necessarily, of, of wrestler that Ultimate Warrior really embodied, basically. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. The the only la- the only other thing I would say about this documentary is I'm really tired of like Sam Roberts and and Rosenberg. Especially because they're not they're always wrong and not speaking factually. They're just like WWE talking heads and it drives me absolutely insane on all the on these documentaries. I can't rem- I remember messaging you something that Paul Rosenberg said and I thought it was one of the dumbest statements I had heard in a very long I can't remember. But it, I was like, "What the fuck is this guy doing on here?" I, I it's, uh, it's, it's definitely gotten to that level. I agree with you. Um, him even more so than Sam Roberts. But I forgot what he said. But it was completely, com- completely unfactual. I have no clue what the fuck he was talking about. Yeah, and he, I mean, the the thing is, is you've had forty years to figure out Ultimate Warrior's career at this point. You know what I mean? Like, and if you knew you were going into it. Uh, doing a documentary if if you're not gonna take the time to do the research like don't make very very uh important statements like i i don't know it's just so weird every time like rosenberg talks about wwf it seems like are these classic wrestlers there's like a five-year period where he watched wrestling (laughs) or something like it's just so odd um, it's also odd that people just leave it in. Like, I would maybe put more focus on the wrestlers that were there with Warrior or New Warrior, um, whether for, for better or worse, than like spending time with Rosenberg talking about it. Yeah, the comment's gonna come back to me later on. I'm 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 aggravated. I can't remember what the fuck he said, but it was like. Did you really just say that? Like, did he? Okay, I'm just going to keep on going. But either way, <laughs> good documentary, I mean, nonetheless. I, I mean, like we talked about previously, according to him, Macho Man only had a seven-year career, so. His career was only in the WWE. That's it. Um, I don't know. But anyways, yeah, go watch that, uh, or both of them, actually. This is going to be the first time we talk about the same exact subject. But, um. Yeah, good stuff so far from both documentaries, and uh, I mean, I love learning more about wrestling. A lot of stuff that I've I've, I've known, but a lot of information I didn't know. Um, but yeah, let's continue onward. Um, let's go over. We're gonna do a new thing, guys. Uh, we're going to kind of break down these shows and kind of talk about the highlights, uh, good or bad, of said shows. The AEW this week, we're kind of we're going to go over the pay-per-view next. So we're going to give our predictions. And a lot of those matches were basically set up by what happened last night on AEW. So uh, let's first go over Raw, NXT, and SmackDown highlights. Um, I would say for Raw, we got an awesome match with Matt Riddle and Xavier Woods. And I understand if anyone doesn't watch Raw, but I would actually go back and watch this. These guys worked extremely well together. They did something where Matt Riddle... He did some type of move and ended up getting grabbed by Xavier Woods and put up like a suplex. Like it was, I'm not doing it justice explaining. Uh, But it looks like 
we're getting Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair uh, to the poor anger of internet fans that just are not happy that Charlotte's getting a title shot. I don't care. I hope she gets it, actually. Sorry. Anyways. And then also, we could be getting Kofi Kingston versus Bobby Lashley at the next pay-per-view, and that would be a huge deal. I'm pretty sure our, it was Xavier Woods that was the one who noted that this would be the first time in WWE history where they are headlined with a championship match between two African-Americans. And I'm sorry. I know that he's kind of been put in the slot because of Braun Strowman, but, you know, I think it was Sports Illustrated. One of their writers was like, I hope this is the summer of Kofi. And if we can get – if we don't have – you know, and we'll, we'll talk about uh, him later on, but – if there's no Brock Lesnar coming back or you don't have like a big act, Kofi versus Bobby Lashley would be a really cool SummerSlam match to build up to. And I mean, I don't know. I don't I'm just fucking put the title on. But then again, then what happens to Drew McIntyre? I don't know. But uh, those are the Raw highlights. I don't know even if you got a chance to watch Raw, but I told you at least uh, that that Xavier Woods match um, and uh, Matt Rill match was the bomb like Phantoms. So. Uh, did you did you get a chance to watch it, Chris? <laughs> uh, I I specifically watched the Kofi match in the Xavier Woods match based on your recommendation, and uh, the, I think the spot you're talking about is Xavier has he locks up like a guillotine choke and just gets picked into a vertical suplex, which was a fucking really cool spot, and the, it just made me want more Xavier Woods in my life. Uh, <laughs> so underrated. there were some good. There's so there was there was it's just so weird because there was great matches on Raw, but like they still can't figure out a way to make that three hour show work. Like there was also just a lot of terrible stuff. Uh, like I also saw the Alexa Bliss stuff where she's going after Shayna Baszler, and it's like uh, I, out of all the people you could have picked on this roster to have a feud with, why would you have twelve year old Alexa Bliss? <laughs> versus Shayna, like unless you're just gonna have Shayna murder her. Um, so I mean, like for everything good they do, they take like every step they take forward, they take two steps back a little bit with Raw, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. It'd be really, really cool to see Kofi and Lashley having a feud, right, for the title. Um, but I definitely want more Xavier Woods in my life. But I've been saying that for years. Like I've been pumping up. Uh, consequences creed for a long time yeah he is incredible talent um and i hope that eventually you know all like i think it's definitely possible i think he'll be the last one but i think it's very possible that all three of those guys will have singles uh you know world championship reigns uh in their future uh kofi already got one obviously and who knows who knows how things are lining up um but just uh, fun stuff to watch. Let's go to NXT, which I think had a really good show, Chris. Um, I think the biggest one was the uh, the Balor uh, and Cross match at the end of it. They had a f- fucking awesome match. I just like I like Cross carrying Cross, and I think I've said this to you is that he's not pretty. <laughs> like he's doing stuff, but it looks like it hurts motherfuckers, and it's not the most fluid thing. And I think Finn brought him to a, another uh, awesome match. And, of course, uh, Cross won. And apparently, uh, Chris, uh, Finn Balor might be taking a step uh, on the uh, the main roster between Raw and SmackDown. I don't know if I... 
I mean, I don't know what the hell else he does in NXT, but I don't know if uh, if I would do that if I was him. Because I feel like he'll go to Raw, and then uh, I'm scared of that for anyone coming from NXT, even Finn Balor. Yeah, and it's also weird that they always have to send the person off with a loss, right? Like, we just saw him lose to Karrion Cross, who's this big monster, and then he's going to go to either Raw or SmackDown, where there's two giant monsters as the champion. <laughs> you know, you have Lashley yeah, on Raw and, and Roman on SmackDown. Like, you you, you basically... I mean, the card's kind of stacked against uh, this Finn Balor character, but I, I have to agree with you, man. Like, uh, as far as the match goes... Finn is just a really great opponent for these kind of wrestlers, uh, whether it's like Lesnar, for example, in the past or, or Samoa Joe in the past. Like he, he just works really well put into that situation, in my opinion. What I would love to see with this version of Finn Balor, even if he were to come to Raw and we would have to, I mean, deviate. Well, I don't know, because... They're tag champions right now on Raw. AJ's with Amis, and obviously we kind of see maybe where that's going, where something will happen. But I, all I'm saying is that if you want to do something more original with Finn Balor, him and AJ had an amazing match, and that's pretty much the only interaction we've had between the two of them. I would love AJ as a heel in a long program, and it really doesn't have to have titles involved anymore. These guys have gotten in you know, into their careers. They both had their accolades. You know, I think everyone hoped that Finn's universal title run would have been longer, but it wasn't. But he's like, what, a three-time NXT uh, champion? You know, he's done a lot of good stuff. AJ's done incredible stuff. Why not, like, a really heated rivalry? Not, when I say like Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels, I'm not saying like them, the people, but like, you know, like what they did. They made it about the feud and not the title. I think that AJ and Finn really could have some amazing matches and build up to an awesome heated rivalry if they were to put Finn on Raw. I, I could definitely see that. And I mean, who doesn't want to see Finn Balor versus AJ Styles, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> just if it was a one off match, I would be stoked about it. Um, but I would love a, I would absolutely love a feud if if they were able to build something out like that. I'll just put that it out there for everyone. Um, other than that, though, man, uh, you had Frankie Monet's debut. Uh, I loved Walter going off on Imperium, and it was like he was the Emperor from Star Wars on the TV screen, just yelling at them. Um, I loved the interaction with Grimes and Ted DiBiase, and then. L.A. Night Gang involved kind of threw me off a bit. I'll admit that. And uh, I think those are all the main things. Oh, Pete Dunne. Um, I forgot the match that he had, but I, I remember. Oh, Bobby Fish. They had a really great competitive match. That was good. So I wrote these earlier in the week, and my handwriting's terrible. And then um, I just want to say, before I go back to you to kind of wrap up what you what uh, what else you like from NXT, can we get a an interpromotional since we're doing that? Uh, can we get an interpromotional match? Especially, it looks like there's possibility that both of these got teams could have the titles on them. I want John Moxley and Eddie Kingston against Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa. 
I'm just, I, I'm just saying. I think that would be a, a great, great match. They'd all get along. You've, you've made my heart skip a beat by just putting that in, in out there in the universe. Um, I, I thought Pete Dunn was really good on the show. I liked Walter definitely yelling at Imperium, but I like Walter in general, so it's like one of those uh, weird things. Did we get any follow-up? And maybe I'm just blanking on it because you know Tuesday until today. Did we get a, any follow-up on the Loomis, the weird Loomis situation? No, I, and I thought that you would probably like this. I don't think there was any of, of them. Oh, no, 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 that, that, that's right. Indy Hartwell had one scene where she was looking for Dexter Loomis, and she went in this room, and she turned off the lights, I think, and everything was, like, pictures of her, like, really creepy, like a serial killer, and, like, you know, all glow in the dark. And instead of being, obviously, like most people, like, repulsed or freaked out from it, she was like, he still loves me! And ran off, and I realized that even though this is kind of funny, if Dexter Loomis was doing that against his opponents to get in their head, God, he would be built up better than this weird fucking love puppy. I don't know. They're, they've they've completely just gone off the rails. I think with that whole thing. Uh, I I think it would be really funny if Austin Theory starts getting jealous and just has Stockholm syndrome. If you're gonna do something with this. <laughs> storyline oh my god i would love that i thought you were you're meaning with uh with her but that would be hilarious if he's like i thought he liked me oh man i love that speaking about you know not the greatest humor most of the time at least it doesn't land for me the stuff that has been landing cameron grimes fucking ted dibiase thought they did great chris and then I don't know what that is. L.A. Knight and and Cameron Grimes gonna fight over the uh, million dollar belt or something? I have no idea where they're going with that. That is a very good question. It, I mean, it definitely seems like they're headed towards that belt coming back, the million dollar championship. But I have enjoyed the stuff with Cameron Grimes and, and Ted DiBiase, whether it's like the pawn shop skit or um, some of the other things that they've done promo wise. Uh, L.A. Knight being involved is is what makes it a bit weird, but I think that just speaks yeah. more to the fact they don't know how to book him, like at all. Oh well, but uh, good NXT, definitely good main event. Um, that's all I have to say about NXT. Do you have any uh, any final thoughts? No, outside of I thought it was a very very good show, uh, an easy watch for sure. All right, let's move on to SmackDown from last night. <laughs> I had the high hopes. I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch SmackDown, and then I'm going to watch Dynamite because they're my two favorite wrestling shows. And um, I decided to drink. It was Friday. I had a three-day weekend. I was excited about it. Passed out at 8.30. Woke up at 8 o'clock in the morning, and I watched them back-to-back. <laughs> so uh, I'm ready to talk about some SmackDown. Um Street Profits and the Usos. That is just the just the tip, like or not the tip, like like the the, the smallest amount of what we got, the morsel, if you will, of them going at it. I want a long match at a pay per view with these guys. I love the dynamic with the Usos, how Jay's conflicted, how Jimmy wants them to all have gold, but I think that that is not cool with Roman, and Jay's still showing alliance to Roman. Um, specifically, and and not to his brother, 
And I think that's going to be the downfall when they go against uh, Rey Mysterio and Don Mysterio next week. And I'm just loving this. Roman Reigns, to me, is... I don't want to call it, it. It almost seems like a shot of calling him the best sports entertainer because I think that he does a lot of great stuff in the ring. But as far as a performer, like, yeah, I think that he's one of the biggest superstars in the industry. Um, and uh, I hope Kenny Omega doesn't get mad at me for saying that. But um, yeah. Anyways, uh, what did you think about the dynamic of the rivalry and the actual match between the Usos and the Street Profits, Chris? I mean, I've loved this Roman stuff for so long. Um, I, I actually have a question for you. Are the Usos going to go down as, like, the best WWE tag team of all time? Just as a, sh- the old, you know, because it's the only place they ever really worked. And I don't see them stopping. Oh, man, I don't know. I, I would, they're, to me, they're the best one on the planet. I mean, and... Like people, people get mad if you pick the Usos over the Young Bucks, and I love the Young Bucks, but they're just so—I don't know—they they just their flow and everything. I think they are, and for WWE's sake, yeah, I think they are one of the biggest tag teams of all time. Um, I know the New Day. You can say them as a trio or a—I uh, uh, forgot what the fucking term is. But um, yeah, with the Usos straight up tag team, yeah, I would say they have to be one of the best of all time, easily. Yeah, and I, I, how do you see this fleshing out? I, I actually enjoyed this match, but I mean, are we going to have just Jimmy versus Jay? Are we going to have yeah. some kind of barber shop type deal where they split up and then down the road they become a tag team again? Yeah, I think they got those title matches next week with Ray and Dominic. I think that's next week. Maybe it's at Hell in the Cell. Might be thinking incorrectly, but either way. They're losing them. I don't think it's interference by Roman. I think Jay fucks over Jimmy or something happens to that extent. Jimmy's left uh, to take the the L and then goes after Jay and it becomes the two of them. because. And I'm surprised, that I, probably because of the timing of his injury and him not being over it, they said a dream match to them would be going against each other at WrestleMania one day. So I'm not saying it's getting drawn out until then, but they've definitely wanted to have a feud between each other. And they'll have excellent matches. Um, and now, distinctly, I know that, you know, I mean, I'll, I'm not going to say, some people will have a problem being able to distinguish the twins from each other. But I've kind of always known who Jimmy was because he's associated with Naomi and, you know, a little bit comes off a little more charismatic. But now Jay has leveled his stock so high that I think this will be a great rivalry going forward between the two of them if they are doing that. And I could easily see this going all the way to Mania if they want one big setup match just because the entire show is built around the storyline as Roman Reigns uh, being the catalyst. I I guess it just depends on what you're going to do with Roman. But, I mean, he might be carrying that title to Mania. So uh, that would be amazing. Usos at Mania. That'd be a lot of fun, right? Yep. And there's also a good chance that Jay might you know, even if Roman gets involved, beat Jimmy, and that's how Jimmy also gets into their fold. Like, they put in, well, if you lose, then you have to join the family and quit fucking trying to do what you want sort of thing. So there's a lot of stuff they can do, and I think they'll have excellent matches. I'm, I'm excited. The Usos are great, and maybe 
We'll talk about it soon. Maybe we'll get them against their good friends in the future. You know, a little bit of God energy, if you will. Gorillas of Destiny. And we can see the Usos <laughs> go against Tamatanga and Tangalo, the battle of the the Polynesian Brotherhoods, you know, and fuck, that would be great. That would be absolutely amazing. Also, we need more uh, Afa and Sika in our lives. What the hell? They did that one absolutely. thing with Roman. Bring him back. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Um, and then uh, some other stuff that happened last night. I thought... Uh, Natty and Tamina, uh, they had a good match against the Riot Squad. Riot, Riot Squad looked awesome. They took out Tamina right at the beginning. She was gone for most of the match, destroyed and dominated on Natalia. Um, I think she got her with a roll-up towards the end, but it really showed that as far as working as a fucking tag team, I think we've said it a million times, Riot Squad might be the best, uh, you know, in, for, for most of the women's division on Raw and SmackDown. They work like an actual tag team, and that. It's, they're not just two people put together, you know what I'm saying, Chris? Uh, so they yeah, they won in yeah. defeat last night, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, me and you've put them over as a tag. I mean, out of the women's division and tag teams, they're the only ones that actually make me think they're a tag team. Yep, no, I, I completely agree. But they had a good match. Uh, KO uh, got screwed, and now he's getting a title match next week with Apollo Crews. He got a uh, thumb to the uh, throat and was selling it like a mofo. Definitely like that. Uh, Bianca Belair had her match um, against Cam- Carmella. Honestly, like she she has gotten better uh, in the last couple months in the ring, and I like that they're still. I don't know where Sasha is. I I have no idea. Like she's taking some time off, maybe. Because they're smart about it. Like, apparently they were supposed to keep on going with the Aleister Black Big E storyline. But they decided to, like, you know, wait a week to, like, kind of, like, let it, like, let it stay out. That's, I like stuff like that. You should do that. Don't put people right back on the fucking product um, after they get destroyed or whatever happens. You know, kind of milk it out a little bit. So, um yeah, uh, um, and then Rey Mysterio and uh, Dominic, they retained. They did the opposite against the Dirty Dogs where Rey got jumped, and Dominic did a great job. Um, I think that uh, Dolphin and Bobby, La- or Bobby Lashley, Bobby Roode made him look great. Um, so that was uh, that was pretty much it. Oh, and the Seth Rollins promo. All right, I don't know about you, but to me, he is channeling more so back in the day heel seth rollins uh then that fucking stupid messiah thing i'm loving the suit game and apparently the ladies love it but it looks ridiculous but just adds to his ego and i'm looking forward to more matches with him and cesaro i don't know really where they're going with him it seems like eventually against roman we've talked about that but i thought he was awesome on the mic tonight and he's really resonating for the first time in a long time with me at all period but as a heel in general uh, any, anything from any of that from SmackDown or any of your closing thoughts on SmackDown, Chris? Break it down. I, I'm <laughs> break break it down. Uh, I'm really tired of roll-up finishes in WWE. Ugh. The Cesaro Seth Rollins stuff I think is absolutely great, and I 100% agree with you on this is the best version of Rollins we've seen, and I would almost say two years. 
Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely agree with you on that. Um, I mean, he was great at that time when he was a babyface and he was at the top and he just won that gauntlet match and he was on fire. I think he was great. But as a character overall, I think he's doing better now than even then as this heel. Yeah, I and mean, the Monday the, Night Messiah was terrible. It's fucking awful. Yeah, and all, but I mean, him losing the group too with AOP just disappearing didn't help. But it was it was just kind of a bad idea. Um, and you know, and Becky also goes out being pregnant, and they kind of tease that he's going to make this baby face turn and become a new person. Like, there's it's just so many bad things they've done with Seth Rollins that's like it's not the guy's fault, you know. No, he's one of the best workers today. No one can really take that away from him, but, you know, certain situations, what are how, you going to do? do? You, how do you feel about Cesaro? Because he's locked in for the next five years. <laughs> hey, man, I, I love Cesaro. I think they're giving him a push. It's a slow push, but, I mean, I thought he had a good match with Roman. I think he's had some great matches with Seth, and I think that, him being in that area, even if he doesn't get to it yet, I think that they're actually priming him to eventually get that title or maybe go to Raw and get that title, but uh, trying to put him on a different level than they had him beforehand, for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, the only reason I pose that question is it seems like they are giving Seth another push and Cesaro's kind of the obstacle in Seth's way right now. So I, I don't yeah. see Seth Rollins winning Dude. in this feud. Dude, if he was, if Cesaro came out in the 70s, he would have been the fucking WWF world champion. With his athleticism mixed with him just being this great representation of Sweden, this European hero. I mean, that's what Ivan Putsky, fucking Bruno San Martino, and even Pedro Morales for Puerto Rico was. I mean, they loved baby faces like that. So it's, it's like, I, I've said this before, it's like Walter, for he would have been a perfect heel in the fucking 70s. Um, I think that Cesaro, it, it's like he's from the wrong era, but he moves like guys from the modern era. That's the weird thing. Yeah, it's so weird with Cesaro because I feel like he could go anywhere and be a top guy if used properly. And every time we kind of vaguely talked about this on one of the previous podcasts where I was like, what's Chris Hero doing? Maybe throw them back together as a tag team or something like I, I just don't I, I love Cesaro, but I don't want to see him have good matches and lose every week. No, I, I agree with you. I, I, I do. Um, I think he has a better chance, honestly, on Raw as being one of as being the champion, honestly, at this point than SmackDown. Do you agree? I think it. Yeah, I, I do agree. I think it's it's a better fit just because of what we've seen with him on SmackDown so far, and he could show up and be a huge opponent with Bobby Lashley. Uh, but maybe they're going that way because we're we're getting a, a, a mashup or whatever, uh, invitational, is that what they called it? Yeah, I think so. All right, so um, that was the WWE stuff. And Guys, I might, I might, if if I get a chance to watch MLW or Ring of Honor from the week before, or, um, you know, any of these major stuff, NWA, uh, which their number one contender actually is is now, um, oh man, I want to say Dick Murdoch, but that is not right. It's uh, fuck, 
We were just talking about him, Chris. Help me out. Uh, not Dick Trevor Murdoch. Trevor won the Battle Royal. He's going against Nick Aldis at the pay-per-view for the NWA World Championship. He cut a great From the Heart promo. He's definitely got that good old boy factor. You know, not the not the 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 the, the pizzazz or um, what the hell's the, the the jive, if you will, that Dusty had. But she's talking about Harley Race, who trained him, part of the same class as CM Punk and Nick Aldis. Um, and you know, if he was there, and really good stuff. I'm looking forward to their match. And I don't think Trevor's going to get it, but I mean, Nick Aldis has had it. He's had it for over a year and a half, and he only lost to Cody for a short amount of time and had it for, I think, almost a year before that. So uh, is is Trevor Murdoch the guy that could take that title off of him? I don't think it is, but I'm just wondering what you think. That I mean, well, they have to have something for Nick to do, right? And they haven't built up another a contender, so maybe him dropping the belt isn't that bad of an idea. And uh, Trevor Murdoch, he does just, it's like the 1970s badass kind of thing. And I can definitely see like shades of Harley Race just with his general look and the way he works in the ring and stuff. So uh, I didn't know that he was trained by him. That's that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's, I guess a lot of people, like, I don't even realize, like, Harley's trained a lot of people in the industry. Um, I mean, part of it obviously was his school, which after a while... When he became less mobile, he was more of like a, a talking coach, if you will. But back in the early 2000s, when he was training uh, Punk and and uh, Murdoch and Nick Aldis, uh, he was he was still, you know, he could still go. So he was still kind of showing guys. Um, I think they're one of the last classes of Harley Race where he was able to like physically uh, show show stuff, if you will. God, Harley Race is a fucking god. Yeah, he's so fucking great. What a badass. Um, yeah, I mean, because if, if he beats Trevor and retains the title, I'm assuming they're going to do something with NWA and Kenny Omega. Because there's just no one built up to the level of what you would need for a, a title picture other than doing something else or bringing someone in. Yeah, well, we'll have to see. Another thing that uh, on NWA that's suiting up and kind of will transition to the the first uh, pre-show match on um, Double or Nothing coming on Sunday. I think that between it's so weird that we have on Sunday in the in the the pre-show match. It should be one of the better matches. Riho is going against Serena Deeb for the NWA Women's Championship. They're both AEW wrestlers, but. Uh, you know, uh, Thunder Rosa has been having a huge feud with Camille, and basically the winner, from what I know, the winner of their feud will be going against the winner of this match. And it kind of, and I was saying this on Tom Clark's main event a little bit, um, I think that it kind of shows that if Serena Deeb retains, I think that Thunder Rosa is going to win that title back from Serena Deeb. I think that makes the most sense. But if somehow Riho wins, I think Camille's actually going to beat Thunder Rosa, and she's going to beat Riho and then take that title back as a heels champion. I don't know if that's going to happen, but that's the way I looked at it, Chris. And what do you think about this match? Because honestly, even though it's on the pre-show, Riho is an excellent, small, agile babyface, and Serena Deeb is one of the toughest 
uh, women's wrestlers on the planet and technically sound. So I think they should have a great match. I see Serena Deep winning, but calculating with the NWA situation between Camille and Thunder Rosa, what do you think is going to happen to that title when it's all said and done? Well, this this may be an up-in-the-air thing, but what's Mickey James doing, and when is she showing up at NWA? If she comes, it would have to be... So if it was April 15th, they were let go. I would assume it would be July 16th when they're available, if they had the 90-day no, no, or no compete, and it looks like most of them did. So I don't know which ones did not, but I think Mickey did get one of those non-compete. Yeah, the only reason I asked that question is I could see Serena Deeps just holding it and them doing a four-way match with, you know, Mickey James showing up as kind of a surprise opponent. So, who who's going to win between Riho and uh and uh Serena Deep in your opinion? I, I'm going to go I'm going to say that like Deeps is going to retain here. Um, I just, I don't see Billy Corgan necessarily being excited about putting the title on Riho. I would almost think that that means Camille's getting it and she would squash Riho. And I don't think Tony Khan would want that either. Yeah, that's why, that's why I asked about Mickey James, because it just seems like that's the actual out. If you're going to move the title, you set up a big four-way match for whatever NWA's next pay-per-view is. All right, well, let's move on with Double or Nothing, uh, this lovely pay-per-view laid out for us. Um, where is... Where is my birthday? All right, right here. Sorry, I'm trying to find the link, guys. Apologize. Nope, that was the wrong one. Double or nothing. All right, so we already went over, like I said, the Serena Deeb and Riho match. Uh, this is not in order, guys. I'm just going on what's listed. I do not know the order of the matches. But this is one hell of a fucking card. This might be one of their best cards. And even though, like I said, not a lot happened on AEW as far as new things, one of the best setup um, for pay-per-view shows I've seen from any company in a very long time because everything, even stuff I wasn't as excited about, I'm more excited about because of Dynamite last night. Um, what do you think about the card overall itself, you know, the matches that we're getting, and how did you like Dynamite setting up everything, I think, with a nice little bow on it? I, I think they did a really great job of, uh, as far as a go-home show goes, it, it did make me excited about this pay-per-view coming on Sunday, and the, the card is absolutely stacked. And I didn't realize it until, like, looking at it. But, I mean, there's a lot of really, really cool shit and kind of weird, almost weird stuff. Like, I mean, we're going to have Orange Cassidy in the main event <laughs> against Kenny Omega, you know, like, some weird stuff on this card, but really, it's it looks like a really great pay-per-view for sure. So yeah, I'm um, I'm curious of what you think. That pop that he received last night, uh, and I loved having an audience. My God, I I uh, posted back to Raj Giri from Wrestling Inc. Uh, because he said the same thing. Like he almost, I almost forgot what it was like to have an audience there. And I mean, they didn't have the biggest audience. You know, they just packed out the Daily's place, but it was great. And my God, I realized that. 
Darby Allen and Orange Cassidy, I think, are the most over of the newer stars uh, in AEW easily. Yeah, and that's crazy to think about going with this started almost all in was three years ago. They started building the company off that. If you would have told me that Orange Cassidy <laughs> was going to be the biggest superstar in AEW, I would have told you you're full of shit, you know, during that time period because he was wrestling like Brian Alvarez on indies. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very weird to think about. Um, yeah, him and Darby by far are their two biggest baby faces, but it, it, it's completely crazy to think about because if you look, looked at that roster not knowing the show if you looked at the roster and looked at who they are they wouldn't necessarily be your go-to of like these are going to be the big stars so what you're saying is Danhausen has a chance (laughs) to have title house (laughs) very evil uh (laughs) there's a great picture of the two of them in the back apparently they're good friends uh I love Danhausen, so anytime I can make a shout-out. I hope you get the Ring of Honor title. I mean, shit, if Jay Lethal's not going to have it, fuck it. Put it on Danhausen. Let him beat Roosh. I, I would love Danhausen having that title and, and somehow bringing out the black machismo of Jay Lethal. That would be just absolutely incredible, the promo battles. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, we're turning... I love Ring of Honor for the fact that it's very sports- Based and we're kind of turning into sports entertainment, but that would be amazing. That would be fucking phenomenal. Yeah, I mean they're still going to go out there and have a forty-minute match, right? So <laughs> that's just Ring of Honor. <laughs> yeah, it's still good shit. Uh, it's it's good shit. Such good um, shit. All right, let's 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 uh, continue on this. All right, so we have God. All of these are like huge matches. I'll just start from where they have to be. The Young Bucks, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson. Against Eddie Kingston and John Moxley last night, they fucking buried their, I don't know if they're fake Prada Jordans, whatever the hell the hell they have. I don't know, shoe game. Apologize about that. I don't have much myself, honestly. I like Adidas, shell tops. That's what I usually rock. Or uh, sandals? Or, or, are we allowed to wear sandals anymore? I don't even fucking know. But um, <laughs> they cut a hilarious promo. I can't wait for this match. I feel like Young Bucks have to win. This is the thing I keep on saying. Renee was just on Busted Open promoting her her, her uh, cookbook. She is literally nine months pregnant. Like, she's on the verge of that. So it's like, she's going to pop. He's still got the U.S. title. And I, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like the Young Bucks are probably going to win. But, I mean, I'm rooting, of course, for John Moxley and Eddie Kingston because Bucks are doing such a great job of, uh, online and just in general being heels that I actually don't like them anymore. So I wanted to see them get their asses kicked, but I feel like the Young Bucks are going to retain. I don't know. What do you think, Chris? Are, are you ready for the bold prediction part of the podcast? Go for it. Okay. Uh, Moxley and, and Kingston are going to lose, and then there's going to be the ensuing beatdown, right? And Nick Gage comes in to make the save. I mean, if that happens, that would be awesome. Um, I'd love to see Nick Gage come out and help out, but I, I really fear for the Young Bucks' life if that happens. Um, but there's also, that's <laughs> yeah, Cornette, nothing. Cornette's uh, sending cameos to Nick Gage right now or <laughs> tweeting at him like, oh my God, if you can get your hands on them. <laughs> 
Well, he hates him too, just as much for different reasons. God. Um, what the hell? Uh, Nick, though, here's one thing. John Moxley and him were fighting all around Vegas. They have a title match for the GCW championship in the future. Like, wouldn't he want to attack Moxley? Or shouldn't it be someone from New Japan who wants to get the U.S. title? I don't know. You would think that, but there's such weird characters that I'd, I don't know that it matters if he helps Moxley. You know, like, it is Nick Gage and John Moxley, so, like, whatever happens in the in-between doesn't necessarily matter as much. But that 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 was my prediction even, like, a bunch of weeks ago. I thought Nick Gage was going to show up as soon as he... As soon as we knew that bio was coming up. I mean, I love that idea. I think that would be great. Um, there is a mystery, per- a, mis- a mystery person, I should say, in the Battle Royal. So, you know, the king. So maybe Nick Gage, he was supposed to actually be the one last year. Uh, but stuff happened, and Matt Seidel ended up going in that spot. So uh, that's also pretty interesting. Um, I don't know. I, I, think, I think that might be Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe, same thing, though. If he has a 90-day non-compete, he can't do shit until July. It depends on how that contract was written, because he was released. He didn't quit. I thought everyone that was released last year, they all had to wait a 90-day compete. Because remember, we wanted Rusev and a lot of those guys to show up immediately. They couldn't. I, I, I think it's individual per contract. And this is one of my... One of the most annoying things about WWE, because in every other sport, you know what the contracts are. Um, and I get not putting out how much money you make, et cetera, as a wrestler, because it is it is a lot about your personality. Um, but it would be good to know this stuff, because we've had situations where, where people get released and there is no non-compete. I, I think a lot of it is just how they write up those contracts. But yeah, you're right. With like Rusev, like uh, Miro, it took 30 days even after he was released. There was one other one too. Um, but Christian technically got released and then showed up like a week later. So, well, Christian also never had an actual full con- uh, contract with WWE. He had like per date. They were doing like a date to date basis. So. He had something way different than anyone. That's how much trust that Vince put into him. And, I mean, he didn't fuck over the company. He let Vince know what he was doing, and Vince was like, go for it. You know, the whole thing that Jim Cornette said, you can probably make a bunch of money, make yourself even bigger, and come back over here. I'm not going to use you over here. I'm not letting you wrestle. So <laughs> He had, like, a Legends deal, though, right? Because he was doing no, well, stuff with Edge. I don't, I don't know. If he had a Legends deal, that's a good point. I have no idea. But yeah, I mean, Samoa Joe would be my uh, big, I mean, either him or CM Punk. Like, if you're trying to make a big splash this weekend with a pay-per-view, which I feel like they're going to try to do um, yep. in that Battle Royal. But but like you said, maybe Samoa Joe is on a 30-day or 90-day non-compete. I, I don't know. We just don't know enough Trust about me. those contracts. You know my ridiculous hope and, and, and dream of Ring of Honor grabbing Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, and Samoa Joe. I was thinking about it, and their pay-per-view they're having in front of fans is if, if he if he gets out on the 16th, they have their show at the 11th, and I was like, fuck. And then I realized Impact's big one, Bound for Glory, I think, the one that they're promoting just like last year, which is kind of pathetic, that 
other past people in Impact could be coming back. Uh, one of them was a Samoa Joe, so I don't think he's going to Impact. I don't think he's going to Ring of Honor. If anything, it would probably be AEW, uh, depending on if he can wrestle, though. That's the whole thing. If if he is done still commentating, I mean, I'd put him on the fucking new show, Rampage. I would have him as the commentator, for sure. If he can't. Maybe it's maybe the surprise guest is going to be Denhausen. It'll be very evil. It'll be very evil. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, well, actually, no. So, Young Bucks or or Moxley and Kingston? What do you think? Uh, Young Bucks, and I do think there's going to be some kind of beat down afterwards because you just got to get Moxley off the screen at this point. So, um, do you and- think that the the beat down itself? There's a rumor. I don't think it's going to happen because I like him as a babyface. Is that they lose? Moxley takes the pin, and then afterwards, Eddie Kingston just beats the living fuck out of him. And this is all a ruse, basically. You're just trying to, I guess, use Moxley to get the tag titles, and he fucks up or some shit. Do you think that that could be the potential, or is Eddie Kingston better served as one of their top baby faces? I think it's too soon to do that with Kingston, because you just turned him babyface, like, you know, four or five months ago, and he hasn't really gotten... Him and Moxley haven't been together long enough for that to really mean anything uh it would be more like someone like sick nick mondo or uh nick gage showing up and and becoming his or new partner there's a death metal guy for you or death metal <laughs> death match guy anyways I, I, check I, out I, I, if you want if you guys want to see an ultimate warrior like dude in death match wrestling schlack he's fucking scary as hell looking anyway sorry no, I mean, I was just going to finish it off with, um, I, it's just too soon with Eddie Kingston turning him back heel. You don't want to flip people that often. And also, even when he was a heel going against Moxley, kind of came off as a baby face, <laughs> as crazy as that sounds. There's there's just something likable about Eddie Kingston. He's almost, he's got that, he's got the big guy who's tough type of, you know, thing going for him. I mean, he's a little bit more aggressive usually with his message, but like, I think Mick had that. I think Dusty had that. I think certain wrestlers, you can have that type of, you know, I'm a tough guy, but also, aren't I just lovable? Like, you could have like an Eddie Kingston <laughs> wrestling buddy, right? Yeah. Poke it says, fuck your mother, um, or something <laughs> like that. The wrestling buddy comes with a DMX hoodie in tow. <laughs> yes! That's so awesome. <laughs> Says four um, Wu-Tang Clan quotes. <laughs> <laughs> On the box, it has that, that written. Yeah. Yeah. Knows all the words that hit him up. <laughs> uh, I will say this about this company. They don't need any more fucking heels, so I definitely wouldn't turn Eddie Kingston right now. I mean, half almost the whole goddamn roster is heels. <laughs> that's why Orange Cassidy is the biggest baby face they have. No, that's a very good point. Um, but, but yeah, this should be an awesome match, and I love Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. I don't care if they're not the most crisp wrestlers. They look like two guys that could fucking get in a fight and beat the shit out of you. Uh, I loved, uh, you know, uh, what... Uh, man, why the hell am I blinking right now? Oh, what Tom said uh, yesterday that, like, they're the... Um, the Riggs and Murdoch, if you will, of of AEW, uh, maybe Funkin' fucking Foley, you know, like that type of two man 
camaraderie that we just need. Just like Tommaso Ciampa and Thatcher, and Thatcher, you know, the toothless wonder, toothless Timmy. Yeah, it's it's very much to me like a Dory Terry Funk situation, and definitely not necessarily the people you want to meet in the back alley. Alley after you said something at them at the bar. Yeah, I agree completely. But um, all right, let's get to the battle royal casino battle royal for AEW World Championship uh, opportunity. Number one contender. Well, no, they're not number one contender. They just have a title shot in the future. So I guess technically they're whatever. I don't know. So we have Christian Cage, Matt Seidel, Powerhouse Hobbs, who is right now actively feuding with Christian Cage. They were fighting in the back last night. Uh, Penta L Zero, Miedo, uh, Jungle Boy, Matt Hardy, Mark Quinn. Isaiah Cassidy, The Blade, Evil Uno, Cole Cabana, uh, Preston Vance, number 10, uh, Griff Garrison, Brian Pillman Jr., Max Caster, Anthony Bowens, QT Marshall, Nick Camarado, Dustin Rhodes, Lee Johnson, and we don't know who the last person is, just like the last two years. So it's going to be someone, I'm assuming new to the roster. Uh, it could be someone for another company. It could be someone from impact or something like that, or it could be a new signee. We don't know, but it's a uh, pretty intriguing, lots of big names. Um, I am going to go Chris as much as I'd love to say, just fucking give it to Pentagon. Um, although he would lose against Kenny Omega, but just let him win it. Christian cage and my dark horse pick that I don't think is going to happen, but I'd love it just for the match. Uh, Brian Pillman jr. I would love to just drop a rocket tech rockets to that kid. And he's said many times, one of his dream matches is Kenny Omega. So he's a big fan. Neither one of them would win. We're going to take that off, but those are the guys I'm looking at. What do you think? I think those are both great picks. And if they were really, really going to push Brian Pillman jr, this would be the perfect time to do it. Just have him win the damn thing. Like you were saying, uh, but uh, I'm I'm thinking whoever the surprise entrant is or Christian Cage as far as who goes who who's going over in this match. Yeah. All right, and let's let's talk about the uh, to be announced or the the secret person, if you will. Uh, you know, we we Nick Gage was was thrown out a little while ago. I forgot who you suggested. Uh, oh, Samoa Joe, uh, obviously. I mean. <laughs> If this is what Sulla Monster said, and I mean, if all of a sudden, instead of instead of Flight of the Bumblebee, the final countdown started playing, Chris, and Brian Danielson runs to the ring, would you shit your pants? Uh, yeah, I would probably throw shit around my house and be very excited for sure. <laughs> You're among things like, ah, just <laughs> start throwing shit off the couch, not even at the TV, just of excitement of that. Like, that would be so amazing. <laughs> just something about Europe. I'm like, oh, man, I'm so hyped right now. I think Tony would pay for that for Daniel Bryan. I mean, in, or he could pay for Fly the Bumblebee. I mean, both of them were his theme songs, but, uh, you know, and I think those I mean, are public domain. Yeah. Hell, he's, he's already paying for, you know, where is my mind by the Pixies, so why not at this point? <laughs> and like we said, you know, instead of, uh, if, if he can get the rights from whom the bell tolls, if he couldn't, if Nick Gage is that person, 
Pantera walk. I mean, I think that would be perfect for him to come out to. Just want to say that. Listen to me, Tony. Buy the fucking thing. Respect. <laughs> yeah, it would be so great. Um, what if it's Sandman and they just play Enter the Sandman? He's the TBD. <laughs> that would that be great, man. That would be amazing. <laughs> but Moxley would be pissed that he wasn't in the damn Battle Royal. <laughs> be like, what the <laughs> fuck? You put fucking Sandman in the Battle Royal? I don't even want the match with Eddie compared to that. And he's like, oh, thanks, man. Fuck. Win the fuck titles tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's just so just so he can do the uh, the kendo stick. Um, what the hell is it called? Uh, Russian leg sweep with them. Just runs in real quick. They take out whoever uh, Matt Hardy and or Mark Quinn and Isaiah Cassidy. There you go. Um, I I don't know. I, I I have no idea who could be in that spot. That's I mean, obviously, yeah, there is those Daniel Bryans, those CM Punks, Samoa Joes. There's a lot of people released as of lately, but we don't know if there's a 90-day non-compete. I'm trying to think of someone big in the indies that's available. I mean, I don't know, Tessa Blanchard? I, I fucking... No clue. So... Is uh, EC3 signed? Yeah, he did sign a contract with Ring of Honor, so he's exclusive, uh, exclusively with them. So, I mean, Andrade, maybe? That would be a good one. That would definitely be a good one to promote what's going on. Either or Moose too. Um, you have a lot of people from Impact too, like Sammy Callahan, who got fucked over for the title. Um, you know, there there are some people over there that would make a lot of sense to want to be involved uh, to go against Kenny in the future. So, and and Kenny never responded to Andrade calling him out, right? Or did I miss this? Was this like being beating the leader or something? Okay. He had a Twitter message that was funny. He was like, I'll see if I can find it in my calendar. Something sarcastic. It was pretty funny. Yeah, that. I mean, that would be a good... <clears throat> I mean, if you're building inner, inner brand, like Andrade didn't get the response he wants, so he shows up and wins this battle royal to fight Kitty. Dude, how's it knowing that Ric Flair hangs out with Roosh and fucking... Well, I mean, he is obviously with his his uh, his daughter, but Andrade Cienamas. They hang out in the Caribbean and shit. I want to be with them, drinking a cocktail. Yeah, that just sounds like a really, really fun time. <laughs> At the end of it, like, Rick gets so drunk that he remembers that he can speak Spanish because of all the years in Puerto Rico and Mexico and starts, like, you know, just riffing with them. They're like, whoa, dude, that's cool, man. And like Andrade's like, Roosh, he does this every single time. He can't do it until he gets really hammered. It's, uh, woo! Sorry. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, like, I, I feel like I would need to learn some Spanish before this trip, for sure. That, w- that would make me want to learn Spanish, for sure. You, you get to go hang out with Andrade and Ric Flair. <laughs> uh, all right, well, uh, let's, <laughs> let's uh, continue down the thing. Andrade would be a perfect person, though. Um, we got Sting. Sting's first, has been said many times, in-ring return, going against Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. Look, at the bottom line with Sting, and this is not just because he's my second favorite wrestler of all time, if he wants to get in the fucking ring, he should be able to get in the ring. Um, I think that he's working with two guys that are capable of having a great match with him. I love that Scorpio Sky was able to do, you know, because I told you a long time ago, well, Scorpio Sky said that he'd love to work with Sting, that he was completely blown away, that he's a huge fan of him. He was doing the Stinger 
uh, Scorpion Deathlock for a while. As well, because his name's Scorpio Sky, but as in homage to him. And now he's a heel going against him. He must be excited, so I'm happy for him. And I think him and Ethan Page, Ethan's had a great rivalry. I've seen a couple of the matches of him and Darby's rivalry in Evolve, and they destroyed each other. So um, I'm looking forward to this match. And I think, you know, I think the smart thing, honestly, and this is crazy, have Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page win. Um, I don't know how that makes Sting look, but Darby Allen can take a pin, I think, in a, in a tag match. It's not going to really hurt him at all. And I, I would assume if you're pushing this tag team as a top heel tag team, losing the Sting and Darby Allen is probably not going to help them. I don't know. I could be wrong. What do you think, Chris? No, I agree with you on this. I, I, I do think Scorpios guy is probably, he might even get the Stinger Deathlock on Darby Allen. I'm not that I know a lot of people are very fearful of what's going to happen with Sting, but I'm pretty sure it's just going to be Darby Allen selling the entire match and then Sting coming in and hitting like, you know, three Stinger splashes. And, yeah, being uh, the Robert Gibson, basically. Yeah, like I'm not that worried about this. Like if it was a uh, if it was him versus Scorpio Sky in a match, like a singles match or something, I'd be a little more worried. But uh, he's definitely just coming in as the hot tag and, and hitting some stinger splashes. That's pretty much all he needs to do in this match. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, should be fun, though, man. I mean, another great match on here. Uh, then we have listed Miro, the TNT champion, going against Lance Archer with Jake Roberts. I think they did a great job getting me excited about this match, but I don't know who I'm rooting for, who's the actual baby face, because Jake was very heelish. Um, Side note, before I actually get into my prediction about this match, even though I think Miro's going to win it, I think they need to take Lance Archer and Jake Roberts, uh, split that up. I think that Lance Archer is really good as a baby face, especially kind of like a Psycho Sid meets... Undertaker American Badass style uh, and I think that that's that's not a bad thing but I think that Jake is just out of place he always gets cut off I don't know if, if Lance Archer really needs uh, you know a manager because like I said every fucking time Jake talks he kind of cuts him off and then you know goes off on his little crazy rants so that's just something that I noticed uh, I don't know what I would do with Jake but I'm sure there is some heel that could really benefit of being with someone that sinister and, you know, help them out. So I don't know. Is, is that just me, Chris? Or are you, are you not feeling the Jake Roberts, Lance Archer thing like I am, or do you like that pairing? I liked the pairing when they were going to have Lance Archer just absolutely murdering people. And they gave us those video packages where he's just fighting in the backyard and stuff, but they've completely changed who Lance Archer is as a wrestler. Um, and also, he's a good, good promo. Like you said, I, I don't think he necessarily needs a manager. So once they take away the aspect of, of the character, I it is a weird pairing now. Who do you think is going to win the match between Miro and Lance Archer? Because I'm going Miro. So that's not going to help out Lance Archer at all. But uh, It has to be Miro, right? He just won that title. And uh, yep. he, he said Darby Allen's... <laughs> Emo baby daddy sting, which I want a shirt that says that so bad. <laughs> He's on fire, man. Uh, 
he's definitely raised his stock since that whole entire video game fucking best man shit. Uh, I mean, he's coming off. He really reminds me, and I know obviously ones uh, from Iran and the other ones from um, uh, not Russia. That's what they told us, but that was a lie. Where's Miro from? Bulgaria. Bulgaria, thank you. But, I mean, he reminds me of Iron Sheik. He really does. Something about his attitude and everything. His intensity. Yeah, especially, especially, yeah, the camel clutch and him cutting the crazy Miro promos that he's been doing recently is very Sheiky, baby. Um, I love it. I dig it. I, I want them to dive more into that, honestly. And just let him be him and that we never me and you both were super high on rusev coming in the problem was they just put him in a very very bad storyline yeah no that's true it's uh I, I didn't get it um what was i gonna say i i don't know this this should be a really good big man's match and um yeah i see miro getting it and you know i, I was trying to think of like who i would put Jake Roberts with when I was pondering uh, between the promo they had last night and then the interaction between him and Rusev. And I don't know exactly, uh, but I like the, the person I can think of, unfortunately, does not work for AEW. He works for Impact Wrestling. And I don't know, unless you want to try to like make Joey Janela a super heel. And I loved his match with Hangman Page. Uh, Oof, that spot with the fucking in the corner where he did the suplex and he was supposed to hit the turnbuckle instead. It just like scraped like the top of his head, made him look badass as hell, knocked, knocked open his mouth. You know, Pedro's uh, was bleeding. But uh, anyways, uh, it would just be a perfect world to me, Chris. If Sammy Callahan, I know that I always say his name, came over and he was Jake the Snake Roberts' new protege. Um and just teaching the ways of being evil and sinister and walking like a snake with no legs. <laughs> I, I, I think that's an absolute phenomenal pick for someone for Jake to be a manager of. Not that Sammy is terrible on the mic or anything, but it, it, you could no, think back to the original storyline that they were trying to do with Lance Archer in, the, in those video packages. And Lance Archer does not look tall next to Jake. Jake's like the same fucking height as him. It's awkward. At least with Sammy, you know he's a shorter guy or someone else you could put him with. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe Jake will just start managing or being a manager for QT Marshall and we get more Arn Anderson interaction with Jake. <laughs> hey, if, if, if that's what happens, if we get old man Jake against old man Arn Anderson eventually, I'm down. Let's that's- have that retirement match. That was one of my favorite things that Jake's done is him and Arn in the ring. And Arn's like, hey, can you wrap up? <laughs> wrap this shit up, dude. He's looking at his watch. Dude, everyone kind of tells Jake, like, "What? The, come on, let's go. Uh, remember, this is the same guy that was on top of Brandy with a snake, uh, making it look like that was his penis uh, when he first came in. So I'd like to see Jake cut loose, more evil. Maybe Danhausen needs to be his little protege. Um, and really nurturing someone that already has that styled concept uh, with him, uh, then they're going. And I'll, it's kind of like Teddy Biasi. 
Keep him with Cameron Grimes. I don't want to see him with LA Knight. Sorry. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% on that, man. Like, uh, there's a lot they could do with Jake, but I don't know. Maybe you should go to WWE and be Randy Orton's manager, and then we could just have an hour-long promo. That's what Raw wants to do anyways, right? He's someone that is a better choice, I think, even for Randy than Ric Flair. So, yeah, I'm down for that. All right. Next match we have uh, Hangman Adam Page, speaking of him, who had an awesome match, Joey Janela. They have great chemistry. They beat the living fuck out of each other. Uh, Bloody as hell, but talking down to Brian Cage and was like, hey, man, you know, why is it someone that looks like you and is your size? You need all these people to help you. And Brian's like, no one. No one at ring. He he said it. Taz wasn't happy with it while he was commentating. But, uh, yeah, man, this should be a great match. Why the fuck isn't the damn title on the line, though? Why wouldn't they – why do they not put this fucking prop on Brian Cage's shoulder as something, the FDW, the fuck the world title? Why would it not be on the line? I wish Page said that, but I loved his promo. He kicked ass last night. Joey Janela kicked ass too. I'll I'll give him that as well. It's a very good question. Do you think that they regret bringing out the FTW title at this point? I mean, if they do, they're it's it's their own faults, and it's like, well, why don't you just actually use it as a title? Like, why doesn't he put it on the line against? Wouldn't that help him out if he's? Like the undefeated FTW champion, like I don't fucking know. I mean, they should have should have put kinda... it on the line every fucking match, and the ones that he's losing, that's the only one that he doesn't put it on the line. Yeah, like it's it's just like they almost treat it like he bought it at Hot Topic or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> that title has meant absolutely dick all. It's on WrestlingTees.com. It. <sighs> Also, I don't know that Brian Cage was the best person to put if you're going to do the FTW title. Like, I he's not necessarily the guy that would need it, anyways, right? Lance Archer, Eddie Kingston, to me, those are guys that kind of scream FTW title. Uh, not so much. Even Rusev. I mean, Miro. Yeah, I mean, you would want someone similar to Taz, which. He is not. No. I agree with you. All right. uh, Let's keep on going. We have Cody Rhodes with Anthony Agogo. A million people on both of their sides. They had an awesome weigh-in. I liked it. Cody, out of like all the past wrestlers, I would say, babyface-wise, is definitely one of the more over people. Even though there is a large chunk of his fan base, it's not actually a big fan of him. But I love fucking Cody. He made this big. Uh, the weigh-in looked like an actual weigh-in. Uh, I love Paul White just destroying QT Marshall on the mic because QT's meandering and doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Um, I like QT Marshall, but I'm sorry. That's what happened. And Big Show was like, hey, bitch, let's fucking go. I also liked it when Big Show could not figure out how to use the uh, weight thing. That was pretty funny. But... um. Yeah, uh, apparently a pound makes a difference. So, yeah, Cody, he is 218. 
Uh, Anthony Gogo is 219, so therefore, from what QT Marshall math equals, which is a very similar math style I hear to Steiner math, uh, that means automatically he wins. So they still did a good job building it up. I care about this match a hell of a lot more than I did, and I'm looking forward to... I mean, what do you do? Do you put, you know... Anthony Agogo as a huge threat right off the bat, or do you have Cody just beat someone because he's Cody Rhodes? And he's the American Dream, damn it! He can't lose a Britain. It's fucking Memorial Day weekend. Cody's winning that shit. He's coming out <laughs> the Great American Bash, American what red, white, and blue Sting makeup, and he's gonna kick the shit out of Anthony Agogo, and he's gonna go go back to the UK. Okay, if you don't like it over here, you can go back. To the fucking UK, damn it. Oh, my God. Trevor Noah, you can go back to the UK, damn it. Fuck. That promo was just not Cody Rhodes as a character. Like, I don't know why he felt like he needed to do that. Um, (laughs) You also made me literally spew beer out my nose. (laughs) Welcome. Uh, Anthony Agogo, man, I they they're really behind that cat, so I I don't know. I feel like maybe he's gonna get the the win here, right? Because it's him versus Cody. But America, Chris. I mean, I don't know what you're gonna do with Cody Rhodes because I mean, the problem is is they did that stip match and they're like, we're gonna stick to our stipulations, so he can never be in the top title picture in general, so he is just kind of a transitional guy to get other people over at this point. Unless you're gonna like have him show up on impact or something and eventually go against Kenny, but why has he not said anything about that? We've talked about this endlessly anyways, on um how are you so pissed at Taz for cutting a promo in the middle of the ring, but you have no problem with like Don Callis <laughs> I agree, man. I completely agree. And I don't think we're ever going to get those answers. Um, I don't know. Let's move on uh, to one of the next listed matches. We have Akuroshida versus Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, for the AEW World Championship. I I think they basically, uh, I could be wrong, maybe it was all to throw us off. But if they don't, it's kind of stupid for both scenarios. I thought the stadium stampede with them having the night to represent the Undisputed Era with all that bullshit and also giving Akuroshida that title and then bringing out this new diamond-crested title and shit like that. Um, I think that signifies they're going to lose. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Britt Baker needs that title. The promo she cut last night was fucking fire. She is awesome. She is one of the biggest names in AEW. She needs her fucking action figure, Tony. Everyone's going to not stop asking you because of her, because she deserves it. And everyone know DMD. And she will beat Hikaru Shida for that championship belt. Thank you, Shida. You've been doing awesome. Great work. Longest champion in AEW. No one can take that away from you. Peace out. Give it to the fucking real champ. It's, it's just time for Shida to drop that belt in general, man. Like, uh... They never did anything to make me care about her as a character. And then Britt Baker has always been kind of the standout of that roster. 
So yeah, I'm a hundred percent with you on this one. I, I think it has to be Britt Baker. I don't, I, if she doesn't win the title, I don't understand what you're doing with your women's division. Yep. I agree with you. And I mean, I don't know about you, but stay the Sam stampede pinnacle MJF Wardlow, Sean Spears, Cash Wheeler, and Dax Harwood with Tully Blanchard going against the inner circle, Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara, and Santana and Ortiz. I liked everything they set up last night. I liked how it was a thank you to the, the pinnacle. I liked uh, Eric Bischoff being there. That's a little fun flavor. I like them having Dean Malenko up on the post and them just jumping them and ugh, I scare the fuck out of me with Santana and Ortiz doing that double uh, pile driver spot with Dax and Cash onto the tables just because, I mean, literally Terry Funk and fucking Ric Flair, guys. I mean, I know they're jumping off a ledge to give them more momentum, but I'm just saying that's, that's not something that you can really uh, make sure it goes down 100%. But the Pinnacle have to win this um, because where do you where do you go from here? I mean, you started off with a fucking War Games match. And if you go Stadium Stampede, like Chris Jericho is literally about to go on tour with Fozzie. I want to see Sammy by himself. I want to see LAX. You know, I know they're not called that anymore. But, I mean, I want to see that version of those two guys in the tag division and possibly with the titles. And I'm curious what Jake Hager can do mixing it up with some of these big dudes. Like, it's it's time, I think. And they really are the NWO. And in a lot of ways, Chris Jericho is the Hollywood Hogan, if you will, to this group. They got cool. It's been a couple years. Let the pinnacle get the win. And I'm glad they're promoting this uh, individually on different interviews and also on the, the shows themselves. This is not going to be like last year. I think this is going to be a much more bloody fight, and I'm excited about it. I, I think it's going to be awesome. So I'm now I'm just wondering if it's going to be in front of fans or not. They haven't told us that. Like, it's going to be a part stadium they previously recorded with fans. I have no idea, but it should be a good time, I think. But Pinnacle, I think, needs to win. I think they need that momentum. I don't know if the inner circle needs that. Yeah, I mean, it's the perfect time for Sammy Guevara to finally turn on Jericho, right? That I mean, that was my prediction for this match is Jericho somehow loses and Sammy's just had enough. And then that breaks up the group. But I, I agree with you 100%. Like, it, it's got to be, you have to be done with this inner circle stuff, at least for now. I mean, you could always come back to it, I guess, but... Um, Jericho, like you said, he's on his way out. He's going to start touring with Fozzie again and be in more of a limited role. And if you're going to do anything, you might as well put Sammy Guevara over during this. Yeah, I agree. But uh, we'll we'll have to, we'll have to see what happens. But if, if if they win, if the inner circle wins, I'm just going to roll my eyes. I mean, honestly. Uh, I think it's time. I think it's time for AWs and WO to not keep on going until we get a wolf pack, even though they were awesome, despite what some idiots would say. Uh, and then go back to the red, yellow, and black, or, or red, white, and black, or whatever the hell afterwards. The <laughs> got it. It got bad. We don't need to go that far. It was a good thing. It's done. 
now let's have some great competitors come out of it, I would say. Yeah, and the Pinnacle can't lose here. M- MJF needs to, I, for what that group is called and what they're going for, he needs to be making a title run or chasing the title at least. That Well, the entire group needs to be chasing titles um, for what they're going for. So I, the Pinnacle I'm shouldn't they, lose here. I'm glad they've addressed that too in the last couple of uh, interviews at the restaurant one. But they should all have belts. And, you know, MJF, when he was on Busted Open, he's like, he wants he wants Wardlow to have the FTW belt. He wants Spears to have the the TNT, you know, Dax and Cash with the tag and him with the uh, main one. They want all of them. And maybe they'll have a female member, you know, who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe Tully has someone that's related to him that could join up if they needed that thing. I don't know. Does he have any, uh, does he have any kids? Tully? Who, Tully Blanchard? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can't, I can't think of any. Not, not right off the top of my head. Just <laughs> <laughs> sworn. All right, let's, uh, let's get to the championship match. We already talked about this a little bit. AEW World Championship. Kenny Omega, the champ, with Don Callis, of course, going against Orange Cassidy and Pack. Last night's whole entire thing I thought was awesome. Uh, I loved how it started off being supposed to be an interview with Tony and Orange Cassidy. Pac's like, fuck that. Like, that's some bullshit. You know, what about me? What about Raven? Then he came out, bitched out Tony Schiavone, told him to get the hell out of here. Uh, Tony is just terrible at doing interviews nowadays. He gets told to get out, like, immediately. It's crazy. Anyways, so uh, we have Pac there. Don Callis comes on the screen. Kenny goes to, like, attack him. Fucks up. They go back and forth. Uh, then there's interference with the Good Brothers. Then there's interference with the Dark Order. Or not the Dark Order. The Death Triangle. Pentagon and uh, Phoenix taking out the Good Brothers. Um, and then Kenny goes to do the one Wing Angel to Pac. And the Pixies come on. Orange Cassidy with the rest of the, the fun-loving group uh, comes out. Superman Punch to Kenny, Superman Punch to Pac, uh, and Orange Cassidy holds that title. I don't know, man. All right, here's the thing. I want to think that they're going to keep on running with Kenny three belts for a while. Like That would be smart. But two things. I don't know the condition of how long Kenny can hold those titles. Titles. He's had the fucking mega championship at Triple A for a very long time. He's having to finally defend that in August, at the beginning of August, at Triple Mania. So that's one title. Impact, you know, I'm sure that that could be something arranged, you know, moving forward or whatever. I know Don Callis is not a uh, executive anymore. He's just a, uh, you know, on-screen talent for them. But I'm sure him and Scott Demore ironed that out before. But I'm just saying, like. They also, my second thing, they like to rush shit. So there's part of me that actually thinks maybe it's because of Pac that Orange Cassidy fucking gets the win. Based on how they set him up, based on his reaction to the audience, I mean, I think Kenny's going to win this, don't get me wrong, but I don't think Pac's the, uh, the inevitable person that could win it, and I know I was kind of downing this a week ago, but this is going to be a good match. It's going to be fun. 
if if Orange Cassidy wins this, I guess they're really going quickly into Kenny losing all the titles and just being a schmuck uh, way quicker than they should. So I'm assuming my final prediction, Kenny Omega is going to retain that title. But there's part of me that's like, are they going to put this on Orange Cassidy? Are they going to do it? <laughs> but that's good wrestling, man. That's what I was saying when we were talking about it. A week. I was like, I could see Orange winning it just because of how over he is. And uh, this did not change my mind on that. I, I could see uh, a situation in which you would put that title on him. Uh, especially with one of our news items and maybe New Japan not necessarily being in bed with AEW uh, and maybe that storyline getting killed off more depends quickly on the, the than we promo thought. That, uh, depends on the promo that Tony Khan said Nick Khan. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, there there is absolutely nothing wrong with Orange Cassidy winning the belt. I think it would be a huge moment and a big pay-per-view moment. Like, it's just weird because this Kenny Omega and he has three belts right now, you know? <laughs> and it's like if one falls, all of them fall, right? Maybe. I mean, you could do some fun stuff with him. It just depends on how often he's going to be an impact because you could still do a lot of fun stuff with that. Um, it also depends on if Andrade is that TBD. Oof, we're going to have to wait and see, but this is a, there, there is a chance that if Kenny wins, someone else will come out at the end of it, too. They like to have double or nothing, I think, every single time that they've had someone big come out at the end. Um, do you think that's possible, separate from the to-be-announced person that's a part of the uh, Battle Royal? I don't think it's Akata. I could say that beforehand, but I definitely don't think it's anyone in New Japan. Maybe New Japan is strong. Uh, you know, even though Tony's talking like he's a badass, apparently they've only used their roster. So, I mean, as much as I love Tamatanga to come over, just saying. Are you saying the never open weight champion, uh, Tom Lawler, might show up at the end of this match? <laughs> Well, he is the the strong openweight champion. If the never one did, it was Tanahashi. And apparently he would rather work with a dead rat than Kenny Omega, I think. They don't get <laughs> That's so weird to me. Um, I mean, you know, that's what, that's what makes me very excited about this pay-per-view. Like, the fact that we're able to have this conversation about this main event and who would, who could win. Like, that's the, the suspension of disbelief, man. They did a really great job. Yeah, they definitely have. I think that they've done a great job with this pay-per-view. I'm looking forward to it. Um, any closing statements before we go into, um, you know, some other stuff? Some some news items, I guess. Um, like, things that will make me throw stuff across the room and the excitement would definitely be Daniel Bryan in Europe like you brought up but uh, Orange Cassidy winning the title would be the same thing <laughs> so I'm very excited about this pay-per-view man this makes me want to spend $50 yeah whereas TNA they shouldn't charge $50 for those pay-per-views <laughs> all right 
Yeah, seriously, because that's a little expensive. Um, all right, let's uh, let's move on. Uh, let's see, what's the first thing that we should talk about? Uh, let's let's talk about the thing that was released this morning, man. Uh, New Japan Dominion, which I'm not a hundred percent sure what day. Oh, it's on. Wait, it's on the 29th. Oh, I guess I'm watching two pay-per-views, man, because Dominion's tonight. So I guess I'll start off the morning with uh, this fucking match. I'm sure there's a bunch of other ones, but... So... <laughs> Alright, I'll just say it. Kazuchi Okada is going to be the champion of New Japan tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> because he's going against... And who knows? I don't know. Shingo Takagi, he's been really resonating with the fans over there. People really like him. He's shown amazing work skills, I think, in the last couple matches that I've seen with him. Uh, you know, he's got, like, like this weird... It's Haas-ish, like, small guy. Not like an Ishii, but, like, I don't know. Like, kind of like if you mix e- Evil with uh, Shinsuke Nakamura a little bit together. But him and Okada, tonight... I mean, I love Will Ospreay. I hope he gets healthy and everything, but Okada's getting that title tonight, isn't he? Think so, man. Think so, for sure. It, it's just sad we're not getting the uh, teacher versus student match that we, me and you both thought were going to happen with Osprey and uh, Okada. Oh, and guys, I'm sorry. It's, it's Wrestle Grand Slam is uh, tonight. So it's not Dominion, but it's building up to that. Um, how many spinning tombstones is Okada going to hit tonight? That's the real question. <laughs> oh wait, I'm, I think I, I probably like four. Sorry, I think I might have read this wrong. So I think actually it's uh, July, it's June seventh, so it's coming up. But uh, yeah, Kazuchika Okada versus Shingo Takagi at Dominion. So is that that's next weekend? So either way, even though I like I said I think Shingo's a great talent, it's like how I expected the last two times for Jay Lethal to beat Jonathan Gresham for the pure title and then to beat Roosh at that last Ring of Honor pay per view, just because it, he's kind of like Okada for them or like a Roman Reigns or you know I guess Walter is pretty much besides Pete Dunne one of the biggest in UK. You know there's certain places NXT. There's an obvious reason why Finn Balor had it for a while or a reason why they put on Adam Cole again, because they're some of the best people within the industry, I, I would say, um, for those companies. And Okada, definitely. Tanahashi's a little bit too old now. I, I don't think that he's really in the thoughts to put the title on. He's really making the never open weight championship, uh, you know, shine bright, if you will. But Will's gone. And Shingo against Okada, if this is Jay White, maybe I would say Jay White's going to win it. But, yeah, Okada's going to win against Shingo. Uh, I, am I crazy for that? Because if you don't keep the belt that, that long on Naito and especially Kota Ibushi, they're not going to put on fucking Shingo. They're going to put on the guy that's the biggest draw in the company, right? No, I don't think you're crazy at all because the entire thing that they have going right now is where is – where are they going to show up? Like, what brand are they going to be on, whether it's WWE or AEW? And, I mean, Okada's that guy. He held the belt for 800 days or some crazy shit. 
Like he is that guy, and Shingo is not that guy. Like for like an American wrestling fan, there's not many people that know who Shingo is, right? But they know who Okada is. Uh, so yeah, it's it's just one of those weird things where, uh, was what's the Batman quote? <laughs> the, the not you want to see yourself <laughs> become the villain, um, not the hero. Uh, not the hero we need right now, but the hero we deserve, or whatever. <laughs> he is. No, I definitely agree with you on that. Um, but stay in the realm. Because obviously I want to build up to what I would hope to be my number one biggest dream match on the planet. Hey guys, just 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 so no one's freaking out, my second one probably honestly is Omega versus Rollins. But for some reason, Okada versus Reigns intrigues me a lot more. And if one is a champion and the other is a champion, maybe this next thing that Nick Khan, not to be confused with Tony Khan, uh, presented is that since March, Chris, WWE's been trying to get in bed with New Japan. And we don't know exactly what the exclusive nature of their interaction. Uh, we also know that through Triple H, NXT, and WWE's been trying to um, have some interacting between uh, NXT and MLW, a Corp Hour, who used to work for WWE used to be one of the main guys uh, that, whatchamacallit, um, fuck, uh, Vince McMahon, you know, worked for him during the uh, Ruthless Aggression era. Brian Gowartz and a lot of the other big writers from that time period. Um, so, really good, I would say. I would think that there's some interaction and there's some potential for, for matchups and for interactions between these companies. But people... Don't feel the same way. They're pissed. They're mad. They're just like, why would WWE have to get involved with such a great company like New Japan? And the questions going around are, how would they be presented? How would both sides benefit? And here, I'll just try to explain before I pass it to Chris. Both sides benefit because WWE is Coca-Cola fucking wrestling. So if New Japan and their wrestlers are on their product or their wrestlers are on their product, that makes New Japan look larger. New Japan's wrestling style and the way it's looked within the industry for the diehard fans uh, obviously is, is, is very, very you know, good. It's, 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 it's perceived to be that, like, you know, the most sports-based concept. It's got that prestige. People love it that are fans that might have strayed away from WWE. And also, the whole entire Japanese and Asian audience over there for exposure, they want and they've been trying to get involved in Japan for a while. You know, basically NXT got shot down by All Japan, and they got shot down by Pro Wrestling Noah. Uh, I think they wanted to purchase Pro Wrestling Noah, but they were trying to interact over there with someone now you get the leading one um so how does this work for the wrestlers i would assume that certain wrestlers if they want to go over japan and go in a g1 say like a seth rollins or if they're trying to make someone happy i.e daniel bryan stick around because he wants to do that type of shit and they're also involved with cmll 
who doesn't have any interaction with any of the other companies anymore, including Ring of Honor, that's what the fuck Daniel Bryan wants to do. So if wrestlers want to show off their wrestling style, go over there, get exposed, have amazing matches with Shingo Takagi to fucking Okada, or bring back Shinsuke, you know, as a big name for over there to be able to interact with, have like a, a match, maybe him and Tanahashi have one last feud or something. Also, you bring the guys over here, yeah, you're going to have to trade styles, but everyone is talented enough, I think, in both companies to be able to do that. I think this would be a great thing. I like this better than MLW and NXT, and I think that's a potential of some awesome fucking matchups. And maybe it's just me wanting to see Okada and Roman Reigns, but I don't know. I think this could be great, but everyone thinks that New Japan will get buried in the process. What do you think, Chris? Because I haven't asked you your your, your deepest thoughts about this subject. This is the first time. We found out about this this morning. I talked about this a little bit on Tom Clark's podcast, which, by the way, you guys check out his stuff. He, he's great. It's it's a really good, good, fun show every Friday. Uh, Gato is not going to let Vince McMahon do whatever the hell he wants. So as far as, like, New Japan getting buried, I don't see that happening. They would just no-show, right? Um, but if you're like, Okada's going to show up and he's going to be Roman Reigns in a non-title match and then we'll have Roman do something in G1 and then we can do a dual promotion type deal. I could easily see that happening. And if you look at what we saw in Raw with the two 20-minute matches with Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston, for instance, they're definitely leaning more heavily into the the old-school sports aspect of wrestling. Now, there's still weird-ass booking stuff that's going to be WWE. I don't think there's any way around that. But I think they're trying to show, like, hey, we can also do this. We can also have a sports-based wrestling company and and have these great matches. And uh, honestly, like, I kind of... As much as I would love to see Okada versus Omega, I saw it three times. I would much rather see like Okada versus Reigns because I've never seen it. And if you're if people are out there saying like, well, it'd be a bad match. Well, you're crazy because then you're that's disrespect for Okada in Reigns. (laughs) Are you saying that Reigns can't work or Okada can't work the American style? Like, it's just one of those weird things where you're like, uh, well, WWE style is is so weird and and kind of dumbed down. It's like, well, okay, so Okada can't figure that out. Like him and Reigns would be fucking great. Gato and and Paul Heyman having interactions together, if they wanted to do that, would be great. Like, there's a lot of really cool shit you can do with that. And I, I said this uh, two years ago. I was like, this is what WWE should do. They should definitely get ahead of the ball or the pitch count if you're a baseball fan. Uh, and, and get New Japan uh, in bed with them before AEW can do it because uh, Kenny Omega versus Okada is going to be, be a big deal. And I know they had a heavy interest in Jay White too, and I could see him doing a lot there as well. Um, it's very, very interesting to hear. I mean, so let's talk about some of the dream matches because <laughs> that's really what it comes down to after a while. What I love about this is that there's plenty of guys, especially once a pandemic, you know, and, and thankfully it seems like we're headed towards 
more of the ending of all this. Uh, but once we get around to being able to go back and forth, there's probably some guys that were in New Japan, AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, that would love to be able to go over there and see those fans again and interact with those wrestlers again. So you could be like, hey, we're going to give you AJ and Shinsuke for X amount of time. Can you give us blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Um, I think this could be a really great working relationship. And yeah, I mean, Okada versus AJ Styles again. That would be awesome. Um, Okada, Seth Rollins would be a phenomenal match. Um, Okada and Roman Reigns for a lot of obvious reasons. They've kind of been, you know, Cena and, and Tanahashi were the fly bearers beforehand. I feel like Okada and Roman kind of took that spot afterwards for both of their companies. And now we're at the top of their, their position, so that makes a lot of sense. But, you know, we said it. I don't know if they're together or if they're going to be fighting each other, but love to see fucking Grills of Destiny and, uh, and, and the Usos um, go at it. I'm sure that they probably would love to do that as well because they know each other. Uh, but there's so many. Um, are, what if... God, I can't believe I just thought about this. <laughs> what if Yano pinned our truth and brought the 24-7 title to New Japan? <laughs> the dream match we've been waiting for, Yano and our truth <laughs> To be honest, it would be a great damn match, honestly. If they actually went out and had a wrestling match like Ron Killings and Yano, I'm sure that would be amazing. <laughs> oh, man, it would be great. But there's so many great matchups. Suzuki uh, against Randy Orton. Randy Orton trying to be the legend killer and taking out him. Oh man, Suzuki's gonna murder you. Uh, I'm trying. I'm like, there's so many possibilities for fun stuff. Shingo Takagi versus Big E. Naito versus Daniel Bryan. Naito and oh wow. <laughs> you know, I mean, a yeah. Bushi and Seth Rollins. Yeah. Like. Uh, we're looking at it kind of in a small spectrum and and that's what I that's why I said this about WWE 2 years ago like you need to get ahead of the curve because New Japan has so many great wrestlers and and they can put on those kind of matches and there's such a cool story that you can tell with it um I would not let AEW get that ball rolling no well, I mean, this is all awesome but should we talk about the extra news that happened this morning about the promo that was cut by Tony Khan against Nick Khan? Yes, I'm going to let you speak on this because I, I didn't have a chance to read read this. All right, so, man, I have the transcript from... Ah, crap. I don't think I have the information in front of me anymore. Basically, the Wrestling Observer did their breakdown... Uh, Are the cons going to fight each other in a hell in a cell? It was so stupid. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Tony Khan was trying to impersonate Eric Bischoff like he has been doing. And okay, so here it is. Thank you, Wrestling Observer, for really. Uh, so it's him and Tony Schiavone. And I believe this is right before they were about to go live last night. And they were talking about uh, WWE and New Japan opening up the Forbidden Door. Uh, Khan said that he read the Observer Newsletter this morning and heard about WWE President Nick Khan being in talks with New Japan about a possible relationship. Khan said that Nick Khan has done a lot in the last two months, but mentioned in the last two weeks 
how New Japan stars Ren Narita, I don't even know who the fuck that is, Rocky Romero and Yuji Nagata all appeared on AEW programming. He said he also had future plans with New Japan and the IWGP United States title, which is currently being held by AEW wrestler John Moxley. Khan closed the promo by saying that there's only room for one con in pro wrestling, not some con man from Connecticut. Oh, wow. So he just cut a promo on this guy. <laughs> and he was doing his best job. If you've seen like the impact ones, very similar to that, pretending that he's like Eric Bischoff circa 97. Uh, you, you know what? You didn't get the big wrestlers from New Japan, though. See, I'm so <laughs> glad you said that. <laughs> that goes a long way. Like, I, I, Yuji Nagata, like, is great. I'm, I, I love Yuji Nagata, and 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 uh, Rocky Romero is fine. But Rocky Romero already wrestles in a lot of places in America. Um, and also you have him on AEW Dark. You're not fucking actually utilizing him on your main product. Uh, yeah, that's weird. That he would want to cut that promo. I'm just going to say this. I love AEW. It's one of my favorite, if not favorite, weekly television show wrestling-wise. But shit like this, or finding out the inner workings of how they book stuff, or finding, you know, just uh, the heelish mentality I think Kenny and the Bucks are going for that's still, like, making me go, like, God, I hope you guys aren't like this in real life, but who knows it's there. But mostly with Tony, like, stuff like this is just kind of embarrassing to me. I, I... I honestly, WWE fucked up a long time ago when they acknowledged WCW and Ted Turner and had the Nacho Man, you know, Hulk Hogan segments and shit like that. And then they brought back Diesel and, and Razor Ramon. But after that, it was even while they were getting beaten for 83 weeks, they didn't take a lot of pot shots at WCW compared to Bischoff all the time trying to make a statement reveal details of matches happening on a pre-recorded show for raw, you know, stuff like that. And I, uh, to the, to the point where, to the point where it actually burned him when Mick Foley won the title, right? Like, yep. That, that's, the, the, yep that that's the problem with it. <laughs> this is stupid. This makes you look kind of lame. You can try to do it as a, as a character, but I'll say you're not that good at it. And I'm sorry if you want to be, like if fine, you get New Japan, all the stuff in America because that's what we're talking about. Who's over here? And I and I love Tom Lawler's the champion of it. I think it's awesome. But who's over here is Yuji Nagata because he's been teaching with Shibata over at the LA Dojo. Uh, who's over here is Kenta, who you had a while ago. I don't even know who the fuck Ren Narita is. And Rocky Romero is one of the guys in charge. He's basically what Gato is. Over there, he has been for New Japan Strong. So, good job. Also, your impact stuff, not a lot has happened between that. We were hoping for a lot, and it was kind of just impact was promoting their stuff. With See, I, I just don't – I'm just saying, like, if you want – he called himself the Forbidden Door and how he's the one who breaks that down and blah, 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 blah. But, like, even with, like, NWA, it's it's been the Women's Championship, and that's it. I want to see – WWE and New Japan have stuff. So this is basically just sounds like sour grapes 
Um, and it just it it makes you look kind of low rent. That's that's what I think. I don't know. Yeah, I I agree with you. I agree with you on this one because to me, like like I said, you didn't get any of the big stars. Like Naito is not there. You didn't get Minoru Suzuki versus John Moxley on your program. Um, there's a lot of things to be said about this, I guess, and and, and some of it. Based on the way I'm saying it right now, sounds like I'm shitting on AEW, which I'm not trying to. I just always thought it was a better idea for WWE business-wise to go after New Japan um, and have those big matchups, have those like legendary WrestleMania matches. AEW is just not there yet. Um, I, I know that's going to make a lot of people pissed off, but they're you know it's not two million viewers watching AEW, you know. <laughs> Nope, I want AEW to be big, do interactions with AAA, NWA, you know, uh, Impact, all that stuff. That's great. Um, I want Ring of Honor. Like I said, if I could pick it, I would make, I would get Samoa Joe, CM Punk, and Daniel Bryan instead of any place to go there and be more of like a sports entity by itself. Um, I like the idea of NXT and MLW interacting, and I damn sure like the idea of WWE and New Japan interacting. I don't think any of that stuff is wrong. You know, it just... And now, PW Insider apparently have been saying that from what they have heard, there's a lot of this is negotiations with Daniel Bryan as well wanting to go over there. So, besides trying to get some market in Japan, which WWE's been trying to do with NXT for a while, it's also a... Of a reasoning apparently from what they're saying to get Daniel Bryan to stay on board. So, I mean, Okada versus Daniel Bryan, anyone? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> people, uh, people also need to keep in mind that, like, the entire group that built AEW, all of your CEOs and presidents, also fucked over New Japan. <laughs> Completely. So. I mean, we've talked about this in the past on this show, but, you know, they gave Okada or not Okada. They gave they gave Omega the belt and then he was like, peace out, basically. And even the year before that, after the first Okada match, there was rumors of him showing up on Royal Rumble. So it was they were always in this weird state of almost leaving and, and Cody showing up and they they all left at the same time. So, like, they basically lost their heavyweight champion in their tag champions, I'm sure there's still bitter feelings there. Because that basically, with New Japan, they book everything for like a full year. They don't book like WWE does, where we're just going to write the show the day before. Um, so like losing Omega as a champion, as your top guy, your top, your, your top, the very, very tippy top stuff that he could have done with Tanahashi, etc. Um I mean that. I mean, this is the reason Tanahashi doesn't like the guy, I guess, to some extent, and and also the reason that o Okada doesn't talk about him that heavily. And you got to also remember all the stuff that happened when Okada and Tanahashi was in TNA. Like, there's some trust issues there of how talent's going to be treated, and I think that's why we haven't seen the big big star show up, right? Like. But, you know, WWE always has, always has it in their back pocket. They'd be like, hey, Okada, you want to wrestle Brock Lesnar? That's going to be a huge draw. That's going to be a bigger draw than him versus, you know, Omega. 
I'm almost scared of Vince seeing Okada. I mean, Okada's like fucking Hulk Hogan over there. He might just be like, oh my god. He can come over here and make so much money. That's what. That's my new impression of Vince. That's my old version of Vince, by the way. <laughs> but, I mean, there's nothing new about this. Like, they they were literally trying to sign the Bucks and Kitty Omega during that time period. Um, and like you said, they tried to buy Pro Wrestling Noah. So it's just, you know, it's not surprising at all WWE wants New Japan. And it's probably not the worst idea in the world for New Japan to do this. This is why I said this originally when AEW started is, you know, cut them off at their knees, basically. Like, don't give them a fighting chance. Because if if you start letting this international working agreement with New Japan and, and AEW happen, now now you have a bigger problem. But I mean, does do are I don't understand why people are so pissed off about this? Because like, do you not want to see WWE's a, evil? You don't want to see WWE's AJ, evil. You don't want to see AJ Styles versus Tanahashi one last time, kind of thing. Like, <laughs> I think people forget how many fucking good wrestlers are in WWE. Who wouldn't love to see the Prince go back to fucking Japan? You know, fuck him going on Raw and SmackDown. He has a chance to go do a fucking four-month program over there with whoever. You know, I mean, they legitimately have several of their big stars over in New Japan on their roster between AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, Finn Balor. You know what I'm saying? Like, it seems like... What if Chad Gable got a chance to go fucking strut his stuff over there and be in a G1 tournament? He would come off so much bigger afterwards. So, I don't know. For the diehard fans, for the overall fans, this is a good thing, no matter what. This is exposure. This, I don't think there should be any problem in, in your way of thinking. If you're mad because AEW can't do something with New Japan, that's up to New Japan to put in the contract with WWE to be like, hey, we're still going to do something with this company. Sorry, tough luck. Now, if that's an issue, that's an issue. But if they don't want to do that... They might not see it being worthy or, or care that much of that large of an interaction with AEW compared to WWE because you're talking about, uh, I, and, I, and I love it, fucking Coca-Cola compared to Fanta. Yeah, it's... And I, I'm going to be happy regardless. Like, if AEW works with New Japan, I'll be happy about that. But I, I just don't understand why people are so negative about the aspect of you know new japan working with the biggest wrestling company in the world it's it's just fucking weird to me especially knowing how many good damn wrestlers are in wwe yep all right well this kind of connects um so chris have you heard that jim ross likes a certain wrestler and people are mad at him for having an opinion well, I heard that like uh, one of the people that work on his brand is very upset. <laughs> Two of them might be, and one of them considers this person the heir apparent to himself. So, really weird. Uh, who knew that Chris Jericho or Kenny Omega could have egos? Uh, love them, but and I don't, I don't agree with Jim Ross. But this is based on his experience in the wrestling business, what he likes. He's been around for a long time, so if he says that Randy Orton to him is the best wrestler 
in the ring right now and even address the fact that I know a lot of people are would be uh, maybe mad about that because I'm not saying Kenny Omega, and I think he's one of the best, but to me personally, Randy Orton is the best worker in the business. And then Chris Jericho would have to weigh in and said the best wrestler in the world today um, is is Kenny Omega. And then Kenny Omega retweeted what Jericho said and said, meh, I'd rather believe the bigot cuck dimwit e-drones and the guy, Jim Ross, that thinks I'm the WWE champion. Now, I'm sure that he talked to uh jr about this i'm sure i'm sure that was you know i don't think that's a big deal and i'm also i don't think kenny if he wants to call fucking uh cornette a cuck that's cornette says some terrible shit about him and i think cornette doesn't well, give a yeah, fuck yeah i mean he, he he says shit about him every day anytime but here's cornette the thing does cornette podcast. does Cornette doesn't give a fuck about being a cuck he's fine with it that's that's his shit that he's doing so i mean he can keep on saying it E-drones, whatever, but my lord, the level of ego. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I love Kenny Omega. I would put probably four or five wrestlers ahead of him, in my own opinion, for best in-ring or overall or whatever the fuck um, that I enjoy more. I enjoyed Kenny the most when he was in New Japan. And even though his matches with <laughs> yeah yeah because Phoenix, of fucking Okada, <laughs> even though but even kept Tanahashi or his match with um you know his best work I think was in Japan I think he had a great match with Pentagon at All In his two matches with Phoenix for the Mega Title both were solid his match with Pac have been solid so basically everyone in the Death Triangle and then his tag match with Adam Page against the Young Bucks other than that. It's been fine, but it's nothing, like, too crazy over. Honestly, I know some people would be furious for me to say this because he's been diminished so much as of lately. I think Seth Rollins is on the same lines of talent as Kenny Omega. I don't think Kenny exceeds him when it comes to in-ring work. And that's my opinion. Uh, well, I, I, I think Tyler Black in Ring of Honor is better than Kenny Omega. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I would put Walter, Adam Cole, um, potentially AJ Styles, even though he's older. I mean, but yeah, Okada and Roman Reigns are top two. Jay Lethal's up there. Like, I love Kenny. I, I love Chris Jericho. And I love JR. Everyone has opinions. We, But this thing was manifested into this huge back-and-forth concept and... Wrestling fans are fucking garbage. My God, especially the diehards. If you only like one thing, you are so into that thing. Very much like comp of movie fans or just about any fucking thing. But, oh, Jesus, who gives it, a shit? I just don't understand why they got so fucking mad at JR. He didn't say Omega was a terrible fucking wrestler. You know what I'm saying? could have been like, I know a lot of people are crazy, thinking I'm crazy because I'm not mentioning Okada. You know, but he even said like, you know, but to me, I just like the work rate of, of Randy Orton. That's, oh my and, God. And he would, you, you have to put yourself in the mindset of watching wrestling from the 1960s and seventies. Like JR would have been grown up watching and, and became a referee and then an, eventually an announcer. Randy Orton works that pace. 
he is very much a very, very old school wrestler. Like, yes, he hits the RKO out of nowhere, but it, it's one of the things I don't necessarily like about Randy Orton, the very slow pacing of his matches. But there is a lot of stuff about Randy Orton that I could see Jim Ross super loving. Yeah, you know? I, th- I think I said this to you. I think that people that really love, and especially, you know, older wrestler fans, whether you're Ric Flair's or, you know, or people commenting within the industry that worked in it, like Jim Ross, uh, Jim Cornette, a similar flavor of why you would like Randy Orton is probably a, a similar flavor of why you would like Bret Hart. You know, that the things they do in between their reactions, their timing, the small stuff that they do mixed with their selling mixed with them, making it look like an actual good fight harpens back to your Luthezes and your whoever from back in the day, you know, the, that's what wrestling was supposed to be. I, I guess to an extent it's the aerial great wrestlers of, you know, whether it be tiger mask or dynamite kid or, Randy Savage or Ricky Steamboat, who all kind of Ricky Morton, who all notch that to the next level. That's kind of more reflected as modern wrestling of, of the basis compared to what was before it with actual like realistic combat, basically. Does that make sense? No, it does. And I, I don't think JR would ever say this. Um, but if your job is an announcer, you need time to announce. And a lot of Kenny Omega stuff is spot, 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 spot. Very good spots. But Orton gives him that room to breathe. Austin gave him that room to breathe. Mankind gave him that room to breathe where you can actually hype up the match. And sometimes that's what makes it great. And I think that's why he said like the Okada Omega match is one of the best ones he ever announced because it was, you know, it was 60 minutes long. Um, but if you're watching like a normal Omega match in AEW, there isn't that much room to breathe. Like there's not that much room to tell the emotional side of the match and, and what it means to you. So I think people need to keep in mind that he is also doing a job as a wrestling announcer. And if he thinks Randy Orton is great, like I, you know, put faith in Jim Ross. He's the reason you have Austin. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> He he the was Rock, a talent. Austin. The Rock, yes, Austin, Nick Brock Lesnar. Um, so I'm sorry that he pissed Kenny Omega off. <laughs> if he did, because I mean, the thing is, how do we? It's it's hard over Twitter with I think specifically Young Bucks and Kenny to wonder if they're just putting their persona online or if they're actually if that's how they actually think in real life you know what i'm saying like it's getting they're blurring the lines which is good by them but a lot of the shit they say as of recently comes off arrogant as hell like they literally took young bucks in their bio which they keep on changing their bio which is go go click on our page talking shit about whoever you know usually the opponents are going after they basically were like if it wasn't for us and kenny omega there would be no uh, AEW. I was like, whoa, okay. Well, uh, <laughs> did you tell Tony or what? Cody or Adam or Jericho about that? Because uh, it, if it wasn't for Tony Khan's money, there would be no AEW. <laughs> uh, isn't there dissension between these CEOs, too? That's the other thing. Like, I feel like there's some inner workings and fighting. 
Kenny and the Bucks against Cody, apparently. And I'm sure Chris Jericho is not a he's obviously not a VP, but I mean he probably is very, very fucking close to being Hey, I can say stuff to you idiots, and you're going to listen to me because I'm Chris Jericho. So, I don't know how that works also. But TK, maybe, he's the maybe. last guy. He's the last. He's... <laughs> he gives QT Marshall the notes for the show, tells him to put it together, doesn't tell him all the details, and then tells him not to tell the wrestlers, which makes a lot of sense. Is Arn Anderson going to have to take off his watch and deal with these children? <laughs> That's the that's the real question, I guess. I wonder how he thinks about this. Like some of the older wrestlers, like Jim Ross, you know, or older personalities like Jim Ross. Um, I wonder how they perceive all this. Like I can't wait for years from now when AEW is doing great as a company, but like seeing some of these older guys come out and do sh- do some shoot promos of like what would happen behind the scenes because I'm sure it's going to be fascinating. Yeah, for it's it's for sure going to be mind blowing when some of these people eventually get fired, which will happen, and we start seeing these shoot interviews uh, behind the scenes. I I just don't understand why everyone got so upset about Jim Ross saying this because it, it's just a personal opinion. He didn't say well, like if he buried Omega, I would get it. Like if he was like Omega is a goddamn trash wrestler and uh, he's not even close to the level of Orton, but that's not what he said. What he said, in my opinion. Orton is the best wrestler. We forgot Orton. I want to see him work with someone in New Japan. I don't know who, but someone. Anyways, um, maybe him and Jay White. No, they're both heels. That wouldn't work out. I mean, if anyone was paying attention to last year, Orton was very high on our list as best wrestler of a year. And he's admittedly said that his best mic work... Um, and where he actually practiced was this last year that he didn't take it as seriously. Like I like Randy. I, I am someone that doesn't like, I like the, the triple H, the, the, the rock, the, you know, the Bret Hart, I think is one of the best examples of that, but like their melodic old school style. That's more of a, I, I, I like that, you know, just like, I like now I can admit more of that, take a razor against your fucking forehead and destroy it. Nick Gage style, you know, just all, it's all different flavors. It's all different flavors. Lucha Libre, Japanese strong style, British grappling, you know, your mother's ass. I think that's what Bully Ray says. No, your sister's <laughs> ass. That's what he says. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jim Ross is not allowed to have a favorite wrestler. I mean, if he wanted to be a complete dick, he'd be like, it's Stone Cold Steve Austin, and it always will be Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, fast, fresh, fast, fresh. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, we got a couple more topics. One of them being, uh, you know, we talked about the release of Velveteen Dream last week. He made a statement over it. Just gonna say his lengthy statement, and then we'll reflect off of that. Uh, but one of the wonderful things that we got to talk about. But this is one of the biggest things in the industry, and also. I feel like there aren't a lot of people commenting on his actual statement about it. And I I think not because he wanted to. I think he's full of shit. I think WWE definitely told him not to open his mouth. I don't think this was because he was trying to stay in character for the Velveteen Dream that he didn't say anything against these allegations. But 
He posted on Twitter and on Instagram uh, the allegations from April 20th, 2020 have effectively derailed my upward momentum I had professionally and has ultimately resulted in my termination with WWE. My name is Patrick Clark, not the Velveteen Dream. Velveteen Dream is a character that I have spent years developing and trying to bring to life. Success of the Dream character relied heavily on kayfabe, my ability to blur Patrick Clark from Tough Enough with this over-the-top personality. The character was conceptualized the day Prince passed on April 21st, uh, 2016. I knew nothing about him at the time, but my thinking was that I could use my interpretation of Prince to create an on-screen personality vastly different from who I am in person. Cue the Velveteen Dream. A sexually ambiguous, gender-fluid, self-absorbed diva. And as I learned more about Prince, I began to tame certain aspects of the character. Aspects that I deemed way too over-the-top and inconsistent with who Prince was as a performer. Now, before I impact, I will say... I've enjoyed the many stories I've been able to share on camera, and I'm grateful to the many people who trusted me with their safety and wellness. Thank you to any and everybody who enjoyed and allowed me to be the character. Whether you paid a ticket or walked up on me in Walmart, my goal was to provide you with the same escape that I was offered when I first started watching wrestling. My job was to play a character and to help advanced storylines and drama for the fans who care to tune in. I take the job I have seriously, which is why I've remained silent about these allegations. To me, addressing rumors would be working against an already compromised ability to sell a character I've invested so heavily. After I had been accused, I was given the opportunity to be in a storyline that lasted a few months, and I worked in a few segments unrelated to the story arc, but now I feel comfortable in the position to share with you the details of the accusations. The night of April 20th, from my verified Instagram account, I posted a story of my uh, followers letting them know that my DMs have been opened. I received a few different messages ranging from support to heckling and some inquiring about how to get started in pro wrestling. I responded to a few, but not all. And of a few, I responded to one account accused me of solicitation. The account belonged to a 17-year-old aspiring wrestler, Jacob, before he deleted it. In the conversation, Jacob shared his interest in working as a wrestler one day and asked what steps would be required. I messaged him a short list of things he should consider uh, if he was serious about it. Physique and promo to start. Physique because, as an independent contractor, no one is going to make you train and eat in a way that creates an aesthetic of a believable pro wrestler. And promo, because our job is to sell drama, and you can't rely on someone flipping channels to stop and watch a choreographed fight. You're more likely to grab their attention looking into the camera with a strong and impassioned 30-second monologue. I also inquired about which schools he was closest to in relation to wrestling training, his height, and his weight. Jacob explained how anxious... He felt messaging me and asked me to verify that it was really me. I did find it strange because I have a blue check, but as a lifelong fan, I remember meeting or I remember meet and greets and the days I would message wrestlers hoping to be seen. 
So I chopped it up to, in a sense, instead of voice message, in my Velveteen voice, as a way to keep kayfabe. The full voice message has me asking Jacob about his height, weight, where he trained, and what school he attended, which Jacob answered back with a voice message, and I continued to answer the questions until I politely wrapped up the conversation. April 21st, I woke up to notifications and tags on created screenshots and videos of a conversation that I didn't have with Jacob. I immediately contracted or contacted WWE's talent relations and social media departments as to begin an investigation. Even after investigation, WWE released a statement maintaining my innocence. The part that hurt for me was having a personal picture that I've used in my personal life on apps being used to label me as a predator. I'm in no way in the world a predator. This is the first and only time I've been accused of any solicitation to anyone. Until I was accused of grooming by Joshua Fuller. Unlike Jacob, I know Josh. I met Josh after my stint on Tough Enough in 2015 at a meet and greet, and we developed a friendship through a mutual trainer at GXW. Josh shared a Twitter screenshot of the first time we communicated it through text, an autographed picture from when we met, an extremely contradictory story. You see, Josh alleged that I made him feel uncomfortable, but contradicts himself twice by saying I was never uh, sexual towards him at all. For those willing to research, Josh tweet uh, accuses me. Josh message messages are in blue and mine are in gray. He puts that picture up. Josh claimed that he was a 16-year-old high school graduate and that he takes yearly trips with his friends to Orlando. I doubted what he told me, yet I kept my reply as diplomatic and professional. The reality of the situation is that I was very helpful and respectful to Josh. Josh lives with his grandparents in rural southern Maryland. Josh got a concussion in 2017 and, against my advice, insisted on wrestling still. My worry came from Josh severely injuring himself, specifically his brain. I suggested he take time off from training to see a doctor. He declined because he believed he could work through the concussion, and I cut all communications with him in 2018 because I didn't want to be partially responsible. Had he worsened his injury, so to have him accuse me of predatory behavior because I chose not to help was very spiteful. Josh and Jacob are two of many people that I've helped, yet these are the only two who have found me to be malicious or predatory in how I go about helping others. What wasn't shared at the time, Josh Fuller reached out to Jacob over social media before Josh put out his own accusation. When this came out that Josh Fuller temporarily deleted his Twitter account, uh, which is important because in all the social media confusion, Josh Fuller is the only one who suggested that an investigation had not been done and that he had not been contacted. Jacob deleted his social media after being outed for being a member of an anti-black wrestler group chat. There is a public forum, WWE LPSG Stars, where people are buying, selling, and sharing explicit videos and photos of wrestlers, and no one has done anything about it. Uh, all in all, this entire experience defamed my career and ultimately accomplished what it was sought out to do, and that is to see me release. My hopes is that over time people can put two and two together and realize that all the allegations surrounding me were baseless and untrue from jump. 
I felt strongly about not needing to defend myself on social media for a while now, but I understand the audience I work for and those who know me deserve clarity. I'm thankful for the opportunity afforded to me and the memories I have uh, as a receipt. God has always had me, and he always will. Dream is officially over, but Patrick Clark lives to fight another day. So I'll just pass to you. What do you think about that statement? I, I think I would have made that statement like a year ago when the allegations came out. Um, it, I mean, this, this is a really hard thing to talk about because it could just be people gaslighting and bullshitting this poor guy. Or it could be where there's smoke, there's fire. Obviously, WWE felt a certain way about this and and fired him while they still have people like Matt Riddle and um, was it Jason Riker, Gunner, basically from TNA. Like, they have people Austin on their Theory. roster. Austin Theory, etc. Like, obviously, there is maybe... I don't want to say some truth, but there's a reason why they let this guy go because he was positioned as a huge star and Triple H was super behind him and wanted to give him a push. And me and you were talking about like how great this guy could be. Um, one of the most interesting things about that entire post was him talking about the character creation and stuff. And like, look, if it's all bullshit, I hope that Patrick Clark does really, really well going forward. And I think he will. I think he's a great wrestler. Um, I don't think the injuries helped him, obviously. But, I mean, this is a weird thing. Like, I, I don't know the people he's talking about. I don't really know him as a person. Uh, you just have to go off what happened with his career and how it immediately derailed. And uh, if all that's bullshit, that sucks. That really, really sucks. And you could almost compare it to what happened to Enzo, right? Yeah, the question is, did he not say anything a year ago because he was trying to keep kayfabe or whatever the fuck his excuse was? Or is it because WWE was like, we're handling this, don't fucking say anything? Because one thing that has just come out, apparently he did not get fired because of these allegations. He got fired for being a fucking asshole to certain wrestlers in the back and becoming a consistent problem of being a prick, basically, to deal with. And that was more or less some of the reasons of what the WWE is at least saying is the reason why they fired him. I mean, that checks out. That's I mean, that's pretty much the reason why Enzo got fired, right? If you give a company a reason yep. to let you go and... It, Whatever that reason might be, that's why they're going to release you, right? So um, I, I think the biggest thing with Velveteen Dream is the injuries. I, I think they could have dealt with him being a dick. It was just he got hurt, and he wasn't really the same wrestler after that. And then the allegations piled on top of that. But like, it is good hearing him come out and tell his side of the story. Um, and not only tell his side of the story, but tell it in detail. You know, like, this is what happened, and if you believe me, you believe me. If you don't, you don't, kind of thing. And like I said, I don't know any of these people, um, obviously, but it, it, it is – it sucks for him. If, if what he's saying is true, that sucks. 
But uh, we're gonna we're just gonna continue to see more and more of this. I don't think it's gonna go away. I mean, that's the, the problem with being on social media in general. Apparently, don't talk to people unless you're a creep, and then you deserve to get whatever the fucks comes to you. Um, but yeah. I didn't know the stuff that I didn't know within it is that the stuff that was put out there, the screenshots were apparently this Jacob person and apparently the information was there, but I never heard this, that he was a part of like an anti-black pro wrestlers, like Reddit group. Um, and a lot of them wanted to basically sabotage certain African-American wrestlers. And that was actually confirmed. Why the, why the hell does that even exist? exist like because ignorance and stupid people exist unfortunately but reddit is a company you should just shut that shit down Uh, yeah Uh, i don't know if it was Reddit. maybe it was a twitter i don't know what the fuck it was but either way so that was there and then the second dude we already knew it was talked about he even said nothing happened between the two of them they just basically a video call that he claims where velveteen dream was like wow you you look in shape and told him to turn around made him feel uncomfortable But this guy also knew him like there was newer information about both these individuals. And it should be known that both guys. Well, the first guy, I'm sorry, but if you're going on those type of racist shit and you're it's known that you made all those things and everything fell through. WWE should have fucking publicized all of that. I don't know why they wouldn't. That would clear them of those things. They just said, hey, we did an investigation. We didn't find anything. And Patrick Clark posted on when that happened on Instagram that he was. He was hacked, and he had someone looking into it because that picture of him, which happened to Seth Rollins, you know, was hacked and was shown by other people. So manipulated by some guy that was part of a racist wrestler, fucking whatever. And then the other guy is someone that seems like, you know, I just don't know. I feel bad that this guy's career got uh, screwed. I'll just say this. If, if this is all bullshit, then shame on you, and you can fuck off just like Joey Ryan and a lot of those other pricks. But if this is true, then that it's it sucks, but this should have been stated a long time ago. This should have been public knowledge. You should have been able to. I don't know why the hell you wouldn't expose this for what it was um, for WWE or Patrick Clark. I'm sorry, especially if he's saying he was just trying to stay in kayfabe. That's not worth it, dude. I mean, you're killing your character. Why the fuck would you care about if you're remaining in character like that? That makes no sense. And all the added stuff that he was uh, apparently a pain in the ass. Who knew where that stemmed with? Trying to stay in character, you know, going through an injury and, and being fucked up from that. Probably having some mental shit going on because of all these allegations. I'm sure a lot of stuff filled in that. But it seems like he got in his own head and was trying to become, like a lot of wrestlers, the Velveteen Dream as a person. And now that he's splitting it afterwards... You know, hopefully you can talk to Chris Van Vliet, Wrestling Observer, Chris Jericho, first three people I try to talk to about this shit, because if not, man, so much potential just gone down the hell over an allegation. But if he did do it, then he should he should burn, man. Fuck him. I don't know. He could talk to us about it. That'd be fun. We will... You know what? I'm going to get Kanan to reach out to Patrick Clark. I'll fucking do... I've talked to people about situations like this. It's not been a big deal. My buddy Andy Signore got fucked over from Twitter. You know, came and told his story. I'd love to talk to Patrick Clark about this shit. 
Yeah, I would I would love to have the conversation with them because like putting out a tweet, you don't really know the person, but hearing their voice and, and the inflection, you can tell a whole lot, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um so but I mean based on that statement, it and knowing that he was injured when these allegations came out, because he had torn his ACL, right? Something. And then this stuff came this stuff came out like while he was injured. Like there was never going to be a good comeback for this guy, unfortunately. And they they did that match with him and was it Adam Cole and Loomis? And that was kind so. of the 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 last big thing he did. It, it's just very unfortunate. But I mean, like if he's also backstage just being a dick to people, don't be a dick to people. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like that that's a whole different kind of story and conversation to be had. Um. You, you can be kayfabe and not be a dick to the people you work with. Yeah, I'm sure MJF isn't really a dick to everyone. I think behind closed doors, I hate to tell everyone this, he might be nice to his fellow coworkers. But um, you can uh, you can lay that down in front of your boss, in front of your, your peers, uh, because that's what wrestlers did back in the day. They weren't assholes to their friends backstage. I don't know why the fuck you'd try to do that. The biggest question, Chris, all right, say Velveteen Dream. He does a couple interviews. He waits a while. He comes back, maybe impact somewhere that would take him, uh, builds himself back up. What the fuck's he doing for a gimmick? He said Velveteen Dream's done. I mean, does he have it in him to find something completely different? Or would he still harness back to that style gimmick just in a new, I guess, altered way? I don't know. Now he's like almost a tragic character if none of this shit exists. So I would, if I was him, I would build off that. Um, the fall from grace kind of thing as a character. Uh, but I could see him working in so many different places. Like, I think it would be really great to see him in like Dalton Castle wrestle or him and Jay Lethal wrestle. Like, there's a lot of places that definitely have room for him if these allegations are, are just bullshit, which. At this point, with no lawsuits or any kind of charges, it's just eventually going to go into the ether. Well, you know, Patrick Clark wasn't only wasn't the only uh, person fired recently from WWE. Talked about a bunch of releases. Well, we got a couple announcers. All right, so Anton Verk, you're out of here. Fucking Monday Night Raw put on barely knows wrestling. Baseball announcer. Didn't work out. Who's going to replace him? We're going to do, I don't know. We want someone more sports-based. Are we going to beg more Ronaldo to come? No. Are we going to try to get, like, maybe a wrestler? Hey, Johnny LaQuasto still works in there in some type of capacity. We're going to finally give him a chance to try to do, you know, wrestling announcing on the big stage. I'm a big fan of Johnny. Been uh, watching him on different review things. Loves wrestling. No, no, no. No, 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 no. We're going to get Jimmy Smith, who is an MMA announcer, who hasn't watched wrestling since he was a child. Oh, and on top of that, Chris, we're firing Tom Phillips. Probably, you would think, since he's very much Michael Cole-esque, except for to me, he has more personality. Well, we have the old NXT team, Corey Graves, you know, uh, Byron Saxton. We'll put Tom Phillips back with them. They were on SmackDown. They were great. All vibed, all good friends. Nope, Tom Phillips, you're out of here! 
what the fuck? Jimmy Smith has not watched, or Jimmy Smith, or whatever the fuck his name is, hasn't watched wrestling since he was a child. Where is their rationality going with this choice? And why did why did they get rid of Tom Phillips? Like, what the fuck did he do? Uh, I have no idea on the Tom Phillips thing. That was baffling to me. I felt like he was going to be brought back into the fold. Uh, here's a good idea, and me and you talked about this when the hiring was made. Um, maybe hire someone that knows what your product is. Like, <laughs> don't ask me to tell you about Harry Potter. You know, like, ask me about something I love and something I care about. I'll give you an honest opinion about it, and I can comment on it. But, like, they literally hired a guy based on a resume who doesn't watch wrestling. And and that's the biggest problem. Like, if you don't watch wrestling, how are you going to be able to convince the audience that you love what's happening in the ring or that it's important? I think it's so stupid. I don't get it. I would have definitely just put Tom on Raw. Um, I don't know. It's uh, fucking Vince. I don't know. What the hell is Mike Goldberg doing? He's one of the best I, I, MMA announcers of all time. Is he on Strike Force or whatever the fuck bullshit one? I mean, just like get or Bellator. What, what the fuck's he doing? He loves wrestling. Just put him on that. Want to fucking is this, MMA guy? It, is this Vince or is this Kevin Dunn since he's the guy over top of production? Oh, it would be Vince over Kevin Dunn no matter what. I mean, uh, I don't fucking know, man. It's just stupid. It's Tom Phillips was literally could have been the heir apparent to Michael Cole, and he wasn't as stale as Michael Cole at all. You, he was fun. You, you should probably just let these people have a personality and uh, hire people that actually like wrestling. That that would be the best way to go. Or here's an idea: How about you pick a professional wrestler? Because Wade Barrett, um, uh, Beth Phoenix, uh, uh, Nigel McGuinness, they've all turned to great fucking commentators. And guess what? They know wrestling really well. You know why? Because they wrestled. It's fucking weird how that works. Well, I mean, even if you don't want to go that route, there's still the Mike Tenay's and Joey Styles of the world. Like, there's good announcers out there. <laughs> um, Kevin Kelly is a, is a good example. It's just ridiculous to me that uh, why would you hire someone that doesn't actually care about your product? If like, you're going to do that, why don't you just take a uh, just a try on Joe Rogan? Just have him compensate on Monday Night Raw. Because then, then you'll, yeah. I mean, at least you'll, you'll get viewers that want to fucking find out what the hell that will be like. Yeah, like, that. that's a perfect example. Someone like Joe Rogan would be absolutely hilarious. And But the thing is, is Joe Rogan would take it super serious and get into wrestling, even if he's not a wrestling fan. I feel like a lot of these people they hire that aren't wrestling fans don't have that level of dedication, man. You know what I mean? Like... If yeah. Joe Rogan got hired by WWE to do a gimmick, he would he'd probably sit down and just watch like all of wrestling from the, the 70s until now. Yeah, he would get obsessed with it probably just to make himself better at it even if he isn't the uh the biggest fan. But I loved it that last week. I guess Rick's now much more active on Twitter, Rick Flair. Because um, a while ago, him and Brandon Shrub were talking about how great 
Ric Flair was with his promos and being able to build up, you know, um, pay-per-views and how he took like the Muhammad Ali model and just fucking killed it. And they were watching his promos and how it resonates with, he was making uh, Jamie bring up like that one that the, uh, the, the football players were doing in, in the back. They were reciting his, his alligators, blah, 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 that, that promo. And uh, just talking up, and he would love to do a uh, interview with them. And then Ric Flair's like, Joe Rogan! You know, I read it like Ric Flair, like, I would, I would love to come. Let's have some fun, baby. You know, and so I'm hoping Ric Flair goes on Joe Rogan is all I'm saying. I want to see that interview. I want to see a two-hour interview with Joe Rogan talking to Ric Flair. I I would absolutely love that, and I would absolutely love if, if Stone Cold was on a Joe Rogan podcast. He said, he said Steve Austin and The Rock are two of his top wants out of, like, most people. Um. I'll, I'm just gonna start tweeting it at old, old Austin and see if he wants to do Joe Rogan's podcast. What? I'm, I'm put it. I'm gonna put it, put it, put that out in the universe because I really need him and Rogan yelling at each other. It'd be great. I think uh, Rick would give him shit for not liking wrestling as much because no one does. That's a wrestling fan or that's a wrestler that's on there. Like Jake the Snake didn't. DDP kind of brought it up a little bit. Like yeah, I know you're not the biggest fan of pro wrestling, but but I want Rick Flair to be like. Listen, yeah, I can't do Ric Flair's voice. I, I keep on trying to do like a Bill Cosby voice, and that's terrible. It it's really weird that the only person that's went after him, even Taker being on the show, right? The only person yeah. that's really went after him is Pat Oswalt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hold on, hold on. This is this is Shakespearean theater mixed with MMA, motherfucker. Calm down. Well, he equated it to Jackie Chan. He's like, so you're going to say Jackie Chan's bullshit? Like, he's like, yeah. a stuntman's a stuntman. Like, just because you don't like it and don't understand it doesn't mean that it sucks. Uh, it was real. I, I, you guys go check out that interview, listeners out there, the, the Patton Oswalt response to, to that um, was really, really great. He kind of put Joe Brogan in his place a little bit about wrestling. He's got a little friend that's always there, usually with the wrestlers. I forgot what his name is. He's a great stand-up comedian. Uh, he was there with the Jake interview, with the DDP interview. And he's a huge wrestling fan. He's literally broken down, you know, the way people perceive wrestling that are fans of other sports, what they see compared to what actually happens. Because I, I swear to God, most people that perceive wrestling, like I was trying to watch with my buddy Nick, the Okada Omega match, because he wanted to watch a wrestling match. We both had a couple drinks in us. And right at the beginning, he's like, ah, I, just, I don't know if I can do this. I think it was also the length of time, because I told him it was like 45 minutes, and I was lying, because it's, you know, an hour. But um, he's like, a 45-minute fucking wrestling match. But, like, there's a lot more connecting than people. People think that they just magically just barely touch each other, and that nothing happens, and it's all, it's like... I mean, it's worked together, but there's a lot of connection and a lot of stuff that somehow, I guess you just, since you're assuming everything is bullshit about it, that you're just not perceiving that's actually real. It's like, these guys are fucking each other up pretty badly, but I don't know. It's hard to explain, I guess. Yeah, and we've had this conversation before, and I've definitely pissed people off about it, but I would, I would almost say that a lot of sports are that. What do you mean? 
I mean, if you want an example, like boxing, like uh, Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather, that thing went seven rounds. What I'm saying is it's all at work, Dane. It's all, everything is at work. What I'm saying is if people really wanted to have actual wrestling matches, they would last hours like they did back when it was legitimate. There was a match for the American title. No, it was a world title between Hackenschmidt and I forgot the guy he went against. He was the American champion. The first world championship match was almost three hours. Would you really want to watch a main event for three fucking hours with wrestling? And then his one followed up against Luthez was almost three hours. So this is back of the, the dawn of the 20th century. Like, when it was legit, it was too damn long. And yes, they figured out ways to call it. And eventually it became more of like a rhythm-based, you know, wrestling, grappling thing. But we know who the winner is going to be. And then, yes, there was more formula thrown into it. And then less of wanting to make full contact so we don't knock people out. You know, and, and using methods to get around it, like rules like, you know, it used to be like open hand punching was only allowed. You weren't allowed to do a closed hand punch. Then you didn't have to worry about this. And it became more of like a dance after a while. But, I mean, it's still so athletic, so incredibly painful on the body. And you're doing it so often. For anyone to not show a bit of respect, I just, I, I don't know. I say nay. I say nay. I yeah, I think you just nailed it. There, I mean, there's nothing else really for me to say on that one, uh, other than like also look at your favorite sports and determine on whether or not it's a work. Because I'm still not convinced that it, that people don't throw games, etc. Like look at the Michael Jordan sports betting uh, stuff, or someone like Pete Rose. <laughs> Like, uh, or like the, the good example I gave earlier, Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather, like, or the that, Paul brothers in boxing. The, yeah. It's just a gimmick. I mean, I don't mean to hurt people's feelings, but like, if you don't think that Tom Brady <laughs> going to Tampa and winning another Super Bowl is a gimmick, then I, I don't know what to tell you. Hey, you watch your mouth. I don't like football, but I'm from Boston. We bleed Boston, even if they're for Tampa. Doesn't matter. Tom Brady is a god. He's Jesus. <laughs> I, I just don't understand why people uh, have this problem with it. Like, what, it doesn't matter as long as it entertains you, right? I would say that. I definitely think that. But I don't know. But either way, they can fuck off. But you people out there, you're great. So I think that's it. I think that is our show. This is another wonderful episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance presented by me and my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. Hey, if you guys like this show, uh, join our social media platforms. You can go Geek Fives Nation on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Be a part of the conversation. Be a part of Geek Fives Nation. Also, that same name, geekfivesnation.com. You'll find news articles for comics, movies, uh, video games, pro wrestling, all different types of uh, stuff from all of our various writers. And uh, yeah, just uh, you can listen to us, Wrestling Geeks Alliance, on any audio downloadable platform, whether it's Stitcher, iTunes, 
Spotify, all your major ones. Just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance, you know, and and like it and subscribe and just listen every week. Uh, all of our old listeners, thank you guys so much. It's a jam-packed episode. I hope you enjoyed. Chris, say goodbye to all the lovely people. Give some plugs for your future shows. And that was my cat. I'm sorry. Wow. That was me. <laughs> goodbye, all you lovely people. If you like hockey, check out at Skates at Throats. We have new stuff. We've actually been uh, recording that, so check that out. We got a new we got a new theme song. Something to be happy about and excited about. And uh, we have some new stuff coming for this podcast too that I think cats are gonna dig. But um, in general, if you want to get in touch with me, you can hit me at Chris R. Patton on Twitter or Christopher.r.patton on Facebook, uh Chris.r.patton on Instagram as well. And uh, everyone have a you know, have a great weekend and, and be kind to one another. Happy Memorial Day weekend, everyone out there. Enjoy your time. Be safe. And, you know, just be be respectful towards others. You know, do that. But anyways, let the Geek Fives be with you. And as always, peace off. <laughs>